Hey, buddies, it's the Ron and Fez show. Uh, Fezzy's, uh, well, we played that song uh, today for Fezzy's dad who passed away last night. Uh, I was over at the uh, hospital last night with Fez and his and his people, his mom and his brother. And uh, Fezzy's doing very, very good. He's hanging in there. And uh, they're going to take his dad back to uh, Florida now. It's a very strange situation. His, his father came up, uh, father and mother came up to visit Fez last week and uh, having a great vacation for themselves, seeing the city and um, get sick and has been dealing with it for the last week and uh, last night uh, passed on. But Fez is doing um, amazingly well. 
uh, a lot better than uh, than one anyone would have bet on. That's the always the strangest things about people when they think uh, they can't do something. When the time comes, they end up being able to to handle it as uh, perfectly. So um, it's one of those things that. Uh, you know, no one. I guess we all know that these things happen, but every time it comes up, it's it's a shock. No matter how long you live, every single time it comes up, it's a uh, it's a shock. Uh, Hicks, I know you just lost your mom when uh, a year and change ago. Year and change ago. Yeah, a year, a couple months. Same kind of situation. Boom. Yeah, out of nowhere, literally out of nowhere, and yeah. then uh, I take her to the hospital, and one thing one thing leads to another, and then I'm hearing you know all sorts of shit that I had no idea about. It's exactly it's like... the same as here. Yeah, <laughs> exactly the same type of thing here. And then you know, it literally, yeah, one week, yeah, or five days, whatever, and it's then gone. Yeah, yeah. and uh, yeah, it's fucking out of nowhere. Here's the uh, other strangest thing too, is um, how like when you can leave the hospital. And I was thinking about this last night um, because the hospital was at is basically walking distance to my house, you know, and uh, Fez and his family have pretty much been in that hospital and they even got like a little place next door to it. And it's just, you know, that constant thing. And it's just, it's an overly dramatic, you know, thing. I mean, it's the end of a life of someone that, uh, that you love. And then you walk out of that hospital and you're walking back and just, Life goes on. You know what I mean? It's just like, you know, what is a, a, a kind of a, a extreme tragedy on a personal level? When you look at the rest of the world, life just goes on. You know, it's not like a 9-11 thing where everybody shares into it. You know, your your pain or even uh, in some uh, cases, um, relief that can finally come from it. It's still so personal. Even though we all go through this uh, stuff all the time, um, and it's such a, a strange thing too. When I was sitting there with his mom last night, his mom and dad have known each other since they were ten years old, and she's you know said to me, she goes, "I don't know or remember any life without him," and I'm like. Wow, that's the kind of stuff that's never going to happen again, you know? Like, they didn't go out and have a dating life and didn't, you know... You know, they were basically... Uh, there was a, the, the circumstances, you know, that where they were born, and that's the life that they lived. Uh, and we just had that show uh, yesterday when we were telling people, get out there, man, go to as many places, and, you know, meet all kinds of people. Change. And um, it is... Uh, it's it's just a different way to live. And there's no saying, really, which is, you know, the best way. Or It's just all these personal choices that we have. Uh, Fez's dad absolutely was one of the funniest people I've ever met in my life. And not only that, but an incredibly easy laugh. I mean, you could get the guy... To, to lose his breath if you just uh, and you know once you start to work it a little bit and you're like okay he's going I'm going to stay on him you could be relentless with him and it's very rare to run into people that have uh, uh, like a really good sense of humor where they can be funny and then also give it up and just and, and take it in but the other strange thing too uh, because we all see Fez as this unique character you know and obviously he is 
But then there's also so much of his dad in him. It's just so weirdly strange how much Fez will remind you of his of his dad. And his dad, uh, you know, uh, like... So, you know, Fez was doing this thing, uh, I think like a lot of Protestants, where they all, like, they kind of don't cry in front of each other, and then they would each go into the other room and kind of fall apart a little bit, you know? But, so I was walking uh, Fez around the the hospital the other night and uh we were just talking about how you know kind of lucky uh you are to have that you know relationship to even loose and fez says to me um and i never have heard of this before uh anyone saying this he goes uh, you know i was you know i am lucky that i had that last week because we were just having a ball and he goes and the fact that we were together for President's Day. And, uh, you know, I don't say anything, but, like, I'm thinking. And Fez is like, that was always our day together. Uh, we'd get up early in the morning and uh, watch all the stuff on TV about presidential history. And we would just pepper each other with presidential trivia, trying to stump each other, you know. And it was just always the greatest day for us. And I was thinking to myself... I'm going to give you a little gift right now, Fezzi, and not bust your balls about this. <laughs> Who the hell makes a big deal out of President's Day? It's not even Memorial Day or Fourth of July. President's Day. Fez and his dad, it's the weirdest thing. They love presidents and presidential history, and it doesn't matter which party it comes from. <laughs> like, they love Nixon. They love Johnson. They love Carter. They love Reagan. They love Clinton. It doesn't matter to them what side this is. And it's just, uh, I don't know whether it has to do with, like, pomp and circumstance, but it uh, it's the funniest thing. And then we were talking about his dad uh, and what a dark, dark sense of humor uh, that he had. And, you know, if a TV would be on, and God forbid a Fekro would be in a commercial because he'd be all over it. It reminds you of Fez. Like, Fez is always, like, have that thing of fighting a fat girl. And I don't know whether it's genetic or learned behavior, but that family busts the balls on fat girls on TV. They're just all over them. And uh, so he was, he's talking about his dad, and he goes, and so silly. He goes, his sense of humor was so silly. Um he loved wearing a dress. And I, I'm literally, I'm standing in the hospital in this cardiac ward. And I think to myself, this is the second present I'm giving you. Don't ask for a third present, dude. I'm going to be on you the next crazy <laughs> thing that you say. He loved wearing a dress. Oh, God, it was so funny. And, uh, you know, Fez's brother is hysterical, too. I, I told you he was like the Marilyn. Well, Fez's whole family is funny. Like, they're either funny on purpose or funny and don't know it. You know? Yeah. You have, like, half the family is, like, really quick-witted, ready to bust balls. And the other part of the family, oblivious to it all, but incredibly big characters. That is perfect for somebody who busts balls to uh, to sit next to. And uh, so they're all going to, uh, I guess, uh, 
get together there in Florida. But, you know, sitting around with them last night, um, you kind of wait in the waiting room where they, you know, get his dad prepped and all, you know, take, uh, take all the machines off him and stuff so that, uh, his mom could go in and kiss him goodbye. And they just sat around just bringing up every kind of ridiculous, hideous thing. And this is the, uh, this thing that his dad, when he would come to New York, would always go to Dylan's candy shop and buy a pound of whatever kind of candy. And I guess there's some kind of card that you have. <laughs> and, uh, he had, he had one more pound and then he gets the free pound of, of chocolate. And I'm going, uh, 10 pounds of chocolate. I don't know whether this plays into this at all. Um, ah, oh God, they're funny people. It is the strangest thing about life, though. You know, it's the strangest thing about how much you share uh, out there and how much is just like uniquely personal, you know, and, you, and, and things like this always make you come up with a thing of like, well, what is a good life? How does somebody spend uh, a good life, you know? Because, I mean, when you really look at it, uh, you're going to pay for it at the end. You know, there's a real check that comes in at the end. So you might as well have enjoyed as much as, as you want it because you're paying for it, you know? I mean, you're paying for all the courses, whether you eat them or not, you know, you skip the salad, the bill at the end of this does not come any, you know, cheaper. Um, so really, you might as well have two desserts. You might as well have 10 pounds of chocolate because it ain't easy. And I don't even know how we keep it out of our minds. I mean, it's kind of amazing that we know that we're here for a finite amount of time and that we spend any of that time, you know, watching Jersey Shore or being pissed off at our neighbor or saying I'm not talking to my brother anymore. I mean, you have a short amount of life, even if you have a long life. And the stuff that we get off, you know, doing is kind of amazing. But maybe that's the whole point of it. You know, maybe... The most important part of a life at all is just the trivial stuff, you know. And no, I don't mean presidential trivia. Let's face it, that is a wasted life no matter what you look at it. You and your kid are sitting around trying to stump each other in presidential trivia. You might as well be drinking. It doesn't matter what you're doing at that point. Um, but it's sincerely uh, always... The fact that we've been on this planet for as long as we uh, have and still haven't really figured out um, what what it's all about. But I guess, you know, there at the end, having people that love you, you know, having people to cry for you, having people that are going to keep your stories alive, I think that's important. Maybe that's the whole thing. The fact that immediately after everybody got done crying, they just started busting balls like there was no tomorrow. Everybody was just uh, and I, you know, being Irish Catholic, 
I don't understand it without the liquor, but some people do things in different, you know, there's Protestants, I guess. Uh Um, But we'll open up the phones now, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Here's here's Bill. Bill, you're on the Ron Fez Show. Hey, Ron, that was uh, a really nice uh, nice thing you just did there for your pal, and I just want to send out my thoughts and prayers to Fez and his family. Um, that's very nice of you. And they are, uh, they're religious people. They are definitely, uh, religious people. Um, I don't know what sect of the Lutheran church they belong to, but his, his father, and his father and mother are very, very involved in their church. And they, I guess, called up to New York to have, uh, the local Lutheran, ministers stopped by and uh, they brought like a prayer blanket or something. I don't know what all these things mean. You know, it's like a nice thing that they do. And, uh, you know, the guy, I guess, to come in and pray with him while he was in the ICU. And uh, the guy had to come down from Westchester, you know, because whatever this church Fez grew up in does not exist. (laughs) And the most populated city in the United States. Most diverse. Yeah. And, and I go, well, there's Lutheran churches. And his mom said, yeah, but not our kind of Lutheran. Which is really funny that you could be whatever religion and still uh, branch off into different things. Um, Sean, Sean, you're on the run of Fest show. Hey, boys. Um, hey, uh, I lost my wife in June after a year-long battle with leukemia. And, you know, this isn't about me. I just wanted to preface it. Uh, you know, listening to you talk about your pal, and it, it's really touching to me. Um, I became a I became a big fan traveling back and forth about an hour and a half between uh, Fayetteville and, and UNC when she was getting chemo and whatnot. Um, she ended up having a, a massive stroke um, about a month into her chemo because uh, when she was diagnosed, she was about three weeks postpartum with our second boy. Um, so it was just an ugly, ugly year. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it really made us very close. And, shit, I, I got to pull over, brother. <laughs> I know. Um, but the things that that you said about about your friend and and uh, the way that you talked about his dad uh, really obviously touched me a lot. And I, I listen to the show because you do you bust balls all the time, and it's, it's funny. And it's not always a funny show, but, man, really? it, it's... Uh, you, <laughs> you, you really—I don't even know what else to say, Ronnie. You. No, uh, no, I understand how, like, when stuff like this comes up, it brings up like your own stuff, you know. And it's very, very weird that whenever you hear things like this, you kind of go back into your own people that you lost. Yeah. You know, when something like this comes up, it it it's definitely going to affect Pepper in the fact that he's kind of in his mind, re-saying goodbye to his mom. You just can't get out of that. It's almost automatic. It's almost like an automatic thing. It, it's, it, it hurts, but, but it's, a, it's a neat feeling to experience, and also it, it's, it's really moving to, uh, to have the privilege, and I'm not trying to be corny, but have the privilege of, of listening to you talk about your buddy and his family the way that you did. So thanks, well, thanks for bringing that into us. The, you know what I mean? The important part of the story is now with me and Pepper and Hicks, the score is two to one to zero. Yep. 
Ronnie B still leading the pack in parents. Third. You're you're in third place. It's getting dominated on, actually. Yeah, you are, but not as bad as you were um, two days ago. There's, so yeah, there's hope. There is hope, but no hope that you could ever catch up. <laughs> just that the everybody will fall to your bottom. Look at this draw. Um, eight six six Ron zero Fez eight six six Ron zero Fez. Uh, here's Kevin. Kevin, you're on the Ron and Fez show. Hey, Ron. It's Kevin yeah. in Missouri. Yeah. Hey, um, I just hope this is a good, positive thing for Fez in the long run. You know, sometimes something like this will turn things around for somebody, put life in perspective, and nothing but good thoughts for Fez. Yeah, uh, Fezzy did. Um, Fezzy held up. He definitely uh, manned up. Uh, for his family in kind of the strangest way. It's why you could never really gamble and bet on the way people are going to react to things, you know. Because, like, this was, of course, his biggest fear. You know what I mean? I mean, he's had a fear about his dad for a long time, and his dad, you know, had a first massive heart attack a long time ago. Um, Probably before I even met Fez. And has never... Uh, you know, has always kind of dealt with his dad uh, has, you know, was actually still working into his 70s, was, you know, managing banks and stuff. And um, Fez had always thought this is the kind of thing that I can't handle. I cannot handle this. And Fez handled it much better than he does getting on the uh, elevator here. Or, you know, making sure that he uh, brings some notebooks in. I mean, he sincerely, sincerely did everything that you're supposed to do uh, as a son, uh, as a brother. You know, he's working the phones with his people around the country. And uh, he did great. He absolutely did fantastic. And I I told him that. Uh, I'm like, you know, anything that needs to be done, dude, you're already doing um, and I don't think uh, I don't think he would have ever seen that coming, you know. But this is what we do as human beings, you know. You're able to say, um, "It's time for me to be the guy," you know. Life is funny; it's absolutely funny. Um, Mike, you're on the Run of Fest show. Hey there, Ronnie B. Yeah. Uh, maybe you could put up on YouTube. And flowers. And, uh, you know, First of all, let me just say, I'm, I, I, know, I didn't talk to Fez about this, but I know that he always likes to keep his um, family life kind of separate. So maybe just drop him an email at two, uh, Fez2000 at AOL. Uh, I think that he would like that a lot more than, you know, what he would think of as people... Um, you know, kind of getting involved in in the non Fez Watley part of his life. Eight six six Ron zero Fez. Eight six six Ron zero Fez. Graham, you're on the Ron Fez show. Hey, how's it going? Yeah. Um, I was just calling. Did Did Fez ever get a chance to tell his dad his secret or no? Um, that would be Fez's story to tell. Uh. But I'll tell you this about his old man. He absolutely, 100%, 
except the fess. And there was never uh, a wobble in that, you know, and uh, never a wobble. Um, and that's a true story. Uh, but again, any of those other stories, that would be up to Fez for if he ever decides to uh, share that. Uh, and even though, you know, it's the other funny thing that whatever that part of uh, religion plays for people and the whatever those rules are, I still think uh, people end up putting family first. <laughs> you know, you, you'll kind of adjust a little bit. Uh, Lou, you're on the Run and Fest show. Hey, Ronnie. I just, uh, man, um, I started listening to you guys when I was 17, I guess. I'm 37 now on 95 Y and F. Mm -hmm. And uh, you guys have always, like, uh, good, you know, I know we haven't lost either of you. It's just. You've always been there through the, you know, lonely times and through my addiction. I could relate to you and, uh, you know, sometimes we would lose you, you know, on certain radio Oh, yeah, stations. we'd get in, in trouble from here and there. But, um, yeah, it is, it is a strange uh, constant. And that's the exact time uh, when uh, I started radio and we, and we brought Fez in. That's when I uh, met his dad. And like I said about his dad, he was this incredibly funny guy but would only you know had never gotten into the business or anything but would be the guy that would be the after dinner speaker and uh fez would write gags for him and stuff and if there was any church stuff he'd be the guy who went up and did stuff and he was flat out funny and thought that the fez watley thing was hysterical i mean he got the biggest kick out of Fez uh, becoming Fez. He always thought it was just flat-out funniest stuff in the world. Um, here's uh, Joe. Joe, you're on Fez. Ryan. Yeah. Yeah, what's up? Uh, you know, I'm saying it, of course, because of Fez's father. But I think it's also a happy, not happy, wonderful thing that, you know, and I don't think it was a coincidence. You know, we all have religious beliefs and faith. I don't think it was by accident that uh, that he was in New York at the time of his death, together with Fez. Mm. I think there's something, you know, a, a, a lot to that. I mean, when my father passed. I, mean, I didn't have that opportunity. You know, he died in the hospital. I wasn't yeah. around it. And, you know, for him to be there with him, I think, is just... You know, a great thing. You know, what are the chances of that? You know, what are the chances of that? Nah, I don't know. You know what else to say, but uh, you know, maybe because I didn't have that opportunity, and you know, he's had that opportunity. He had that opportunity. Had that opportunity with a parent that didn't even live in, 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 in the same state. So you know, I, if you grow, you try to grab onto anything when these things happen. Well, I lost both of my parents and try to grab onto anything. And I think, you know, he needs just to grab onto that. And, it's, you know, it's, that's it. It is really, really strange. And that, that exactly what you're saying is true that, you know, um, the odds against that happening, particularly when he was, you know, as healthy as he's been. Obviously healthy enough to travel. Uh, Fez's mom was telling me last night how much his dad was looking forward to coming up. He loved coming to New York. 
They would keep. They literally seemed to me like they did the same vacation every single time. They went to the same exact places and um, got a huge kick out of Fez living in the city. Got a huge kick of Fez being on uh, Sirius. Uh, so everything about this trip was like really fantastic up until the point that he got sick. I mean, even Fez, who as we know, can find the worst of things, said, man, this was unbelievable uh, right up until the time that he got sick. Um, it is uh, it is a strange thing, and I don't know, you know, even if you are the most scientific thinking person in the world, you do start to get a little mystical when things like that start to happen where you're going, man, that's odd, you know? Why would it happen like that? And why would this seemingly give Fez uh, more strength than I've seen him have in quite some time? I mean, if I'm being totally honest here, I was going to say he reminded me of the old Fez, but that's not even true. He was definitely, the way he handled this was definitely more mature um, and together um, than I've ever seen Fez, you know? Definitely was, uh, was being strong. Uh, and I, and not just, I don't think, putting up a strong front, yeah. but being strong. Being just guy. being that guy and saying, this is, you know, my time to, to carry the ball for this guy. Um, it's interesting. Vicky, you're on the run of Fez show. Vicky, do we got you, darling? Yeah, hi, I'm sorry. I'm driving to work, I'm listening to you, and it's making me well up, and I'm jabbing my eyes, and I'm looking in my rearview mirror, and I see, okay, I have mascara on my eyes now. And then I start laughing because I'm thinking, if this all took place just a week later, Fez would be dealing with all of this phantom funeral, possibly with Uncle Leo eyebrows which then is such a sensey thing, and that just struck me as so funny. But here's the funniest thing. His dad would have thought that was hysterical. <laughs> I mean, seriously, there is nothing that his dad found funnier than that kind of humor. I would never go around and tell you that I thought his dad's humor, who I, I said, one of the funniest guys I ever met, uh, I would never have called it highbrow. <laughs> I mean, this was really old-school humor. Um, Patty, Patty, you're on the run of Fez show. Hey, um, I was just calling because my, uh, you know, when we, we drove up to New York the day after Christmas uh, to visit my parents for, for the rest of the holiday from Tennessee, and um, while we were on our way, my dad suddenly passed away. And it just, you know, that just brought it all back because I was thinking how weird that we were on our way there. I mean, I was sad that I didn't make it there before he passed away. Mm -hmm. But, um, but I was there for my mom, you know, and it was just like a weird, it was just a weird kind of coincidence that we were on our way there when it happened. I mean, he wasn't sick or anything, but it was, I mean, it was devastating, but, but I was there for my mom and it was, you know, it's kind of the same thing, you know, and I just feel terrible about Fez. I really do. And I'm, um, you know, I just want to send my condolences. Well, I mean, we we all take uh, this pain when something like this comes up. But 
we all know that it's also part of the whole trip. Uh, the worst part of the trip, but we all know that like this is this is it too, you know. And now, uh, Fez's people will spend all their time, you know, thinking and talking about him and laughing about him. You know, I mean, it's not like this guy. It's not like any any of the people that ever knew. Uh, Fez's dad thought, hey, I wish I would have done this or that. Everybody had that relationship with him. You got to meet him, Pep, when he came up that time. Yeah. And mm -hmm. uh, he was uh, a really, really uh, fun guy. Um, Tony, you're on the Ron and Fez show. Hey, Ronnie. Yeah. This is a sad day for the Ron and Fez show. Uh, you're truly a rock. And I'm wondering, did uh, any of says his siblings make it up to New York to say goodbye to the dad. Uh, yeah, his uh, brother was uh, with him. And uh, Fez's younger brother, who is, I, I told you, he's like the Marilyn Munster of the family, where he just, <laughs> like, he doesn't give in to all the strangeness. I mean, he's he, he came in the youngest. And any of the stuff that bothers Fez about I never got to and no, he just doesn't give a shit. Uh, uh, you know, you don't improve, you don't approve of this decision I'm making. So what? Uh, I'll catch you. Oh, you're into this weird thing. Uh, that's yours. Has nothing to do with me. And it just goes to show you that there, that whatever anyone says about this happened or these are the circumstances and that's the way that, uh, I am. No, it really, it, it can't be true or else he wouldn't be happily married with three kids and, you know, um, so yeah, not, I'll tell you, I think Fez calls him Travis on the air because I want to make sure I stay with the gimmick, but, uh, he, f Gets this call, you know, uh, our dad's sick, he's in the hospital, jumps on a plane, you know, grabs whatever he has close, flies up, gets off the plane, comes in, uh, worked out, you know, hey, Fez's apartment. I'm not taking my mom back and forth to Roosevelt <laughs> Island like a nut. Uh, I'm going to, uh, and I'll save some of these stories. There's some real funny stories, but I'll save, I'll, I'll let Fez tell them later. Uh, but I'll just say this about him. 39 hours before he shut his eyes the first time once he got here. I mean, he looked like a wreck. I mean, he looked like a guy had been up for 39 hours. But no complaining, all matter of fact about it. Um, he also had this great relationship with his dad. They were all, uh, baseball buddies, uh, caught a lot of the Rays uh, games was uh, teasing his dad that his dad was in the official hospital of the New York Yankees, who I guess they decide, you know, that's who they hate. And this is why his dad was on the tube and on. His dad was balling up his fist, all pissed off about it. Um, great, great, great kid. Just terrific, terrific uh, guys. Um, Pirate, you're on the Run of Fez show. Yeah, Ronnie, that's um, that's pretty much a similar story to what happened with my dad. Me and my sister came back from Mexico, and you know, a week later he was he was done for, and just found out that my mom has breast cancer. Um, I mean, real strange things happen with the way we live nowadays, and can you really even be surprised about it when when you find out about some terrible illness or you know some catastrophe happens? 
really not that surprising, is it? No, it definitely isn't uh, surprising on one level, but I think the way that we all exist and the way that we all can get up and go to work in the morning and go shopping and cook our food is to push all that stuff back a little bit. You know what I mean? Just push back um, mortality. And let's face it, I think for most of us, um, it's not our mortality that scares us. It's the mortality of the people that we love, you know. Um, obviously, for a man, you get it in the back of your mind, someday I'm going to have to, you know, bury my parents. And you push that back. But when it comes, then you're thinking, well, this woman that I love, no, she has to bury me. These kids, they got to bury me. And there's nothing that you can do to assure any of those things. There's nothing. There's no amount of money. There's no amount of insurance. Um, You see, people deal with the toughest things in the world all the time. And most of the time you're like, uh, oh, his, you know kid's sick i'm gonna push that far you know oh i feel bad for him but and there's part of you that think that's the kind of stuff that happens to the other people not gonna happen to me you know because you just don't want to believe that we are completely vulnerable you know and you try to have some laughs you try to you know bet on football or whatever you can do the in your spare time to push some of that stuff back um but it's always there you know it's always uh completely uh, there. Uh, Jim, you're on the Run of Fez show. Jim. Hello? Yeah. Yeah, hey, Ron. I grew up in a funeral home, and I've literally been to a thousand funerals, and uh, everyone mourns different. Uh, some people laugh, some people cry, some people can't say a word, mm-hmm. uh, some people don't want to see the body, some people will kiss them, and I just want the listeners to know that when, Ron, when Fezzi comes back, not to say, did you do this or didn't you do that, because there's no good way or bad way to mourn. It's completely individual, and just leave the guy alone. Everyone does the best they can in these times. Um, I think I was probably, God, I had to be almost 20 when I found out that the uh, after a funeral and then after the wake that in everyone's family the uncles didn't start punching each other. I always thought... Good. Let's everybody punch each other and get it out of our systems. And then that, you know, is a place to put the aggravation. Um, it's just, yeah, you do whatever you have to do. Um, everybody deals with it with the way they have to deal with it. And the fact that, you know, I'm bragging up about Fez now for how he's handling this time. Doesn't mean that he's not going to feel it really hard in, you know, a month, a week, a year. Who knows? Particularly with Fez, who knows? But the point is, uh, the real truth of it is, um, when, when the, when it was time for Fez to be that son, he was. And, uh, I'd have been up his ass if he wasn't, but 
I didn't even have to at all. I mean, when I went over to the hospital, uh, I didn't, you know, go around and talk to the doctors for them and start looking at charts and finding out if, you know, going down a list, did you call your uncle? Everything was taken care of. Uh, Fez and his brother took care of everything. And they've got a, a brother and a sister in Florida, and, and Fez, uh, Fez's dad has grandchildren, and they would hold up the... Uh, the phone, like the speaker phone, so everybody could talk to them. Um, they were terrific. They were absolutely terrific. Um, uh, here's our buddy Arch. Arch, how are you? Hey, I uh, just want to take a second, and um, the way you're uh, dropping in these little, almost celebrating his life already, I really uh, appreciate that. A lot of that doesn't go on. A lot of people hang on to uh, bad feelings and express them, but this way you're... Um, Speaking about your buddy and his uh, his family is uh, it, it's uh, it's just not done and uh, it's it's touching. Well, you know, uh, like I told you before, I mean, Fez's dad it was literally a terrific guy. He lived into his seventies, which nowadays is is still too young, you know. Um, but not everybody gets that, uh, and the fact that you know he was with the. The same girl as he was when he was 10 years old. They knew each other since they were children. It's bizarre, really, when you come to think about it. It's bizarre. And the fact that he had, uh, you know, was one of those guys that everybody at work thought was the great guy. Everybody at his church thought he was the great guy. Uh, His grandchildren were crazy about uh, part of the candy store stuff. because He was making sure he was bringing gifts back to all of his uh, grandchildren, um, and they were all crazy about him. You know, they all wanted to spend time with him, and he had tickets to the Bucks game, a uh, season ticket holder for a long time, and would everybody got to go to the Bucks games with him. Now, they all drove him crazy because they were running around doing other stuff and this and that, and they weren't really focusing on the game, but they all have those memories now. I mean, even the littlest ones are going to have memories of him. And that's all you really get out of any part of life. You get these little moments that you remember. I mean, when you think about your family, you can't remember every single day. When you think about your grandparents, um, and you had to start recalling, you know, things, you're only going to remember some real high points and some real low points. Um, and it seems like those little bubbles that these memories float in is all we ever really keep of each other. And all we ever really keep of our own life, you know, you look back over things and you go, I was like this as a kid. But if you asked how many memories could you put together, it's probably not that many, you know, and you just take those and you go, well, that's what my relationship with that person was like. Uh, And you definitely want to have more good ones uh, than bad ones. And I don't know, for me, when something like this uh, comes up, um, you, you got to say to yourself, you know, did he leave anything on the table? I don't say it. I, th- I think that he enjoyed himself. And uh, I think that he enjoyed the people in his life. It seems to be the important thing to me. Uh, it's our friend Queen Elizabeth. Hi, Ronnie. Hey, yeah. hey Pep. Um, I lost my dad about a year and a half ago. I was uh, five months pregnant with my first baby, and it was kind of the same thing. Uh, he was a, a week in the hospital. He died on a Thursday, and me and my brothers just sat around with him until, you know, he was beyond speech, and uh, 
we just shared different memories of him and uh it, it kind of made us feel better to celebrate his life because four children are going to have four different childhoods even with the same parents isn't that funny yeah and um you know it was tremendous to hear like funny stories when he was with my brothers and um and then they would hear stuff that happened with me and and just to kind of celebrate his life despite losing him and he was young he was 57 and um you know i think fezzy's a lot stronger than he gives himself credit for because you know that strength doesn't just pop out of nowhere i agree that's, 100% that's deep inside of you and it's still you know, and I was pregnant at the time, so I had to focus on my child, you know, being born. And, and then you kind of go into autopilot, and mm -hmm. it doesn't hit you sometimes for, for a long time. But then, you know, you draw on that strength that that's in there. And I know Fezzi, it's in there with him. And it was good to know that, um, you know, he made a noble end and, you know, was with his family and, they all kind of, kind of got, you know, no regrets. Like, oh, I forgot to say this, or I forgot to tell them this, and yeah. it just, it really brought it back to me because uh, you can feel that pain if you ever lost a parent. You can feel that pain so acute, even hearing somebody else's. Yeah, I mean, and it, it is a universal thing. You know, I remember when I was a kid, my, uh, um. My. My family always had us go to um, whatever, you know, funerals were going on. And I, I know in some families that's, like, kept, but I remember being, like, a real little kid uh, at funerals and kind of getting, you know, because of what the older people would say is uh, that this is, you know, part of life. I remember even older people would say to me, and I would be little, well, it looks like I'm next. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, can I have a moment here? Can I have a moment? Um, yeah, this is, this is as much life as anything else. It really is. It is as much life as any of the other parts of it. Um, let's go over to Bill. Bill, you're on my Fez. Hey, guys. Uh, uh, Fez. Great guy, obviously, and uh, I just wanted to point out that, uh, you know, he took a lot of ribbing and a lot of harassing over all the years about always taking all his vacations back down to Florida, and everyone who listened thought he should be out doing things on his own and going here and going cruises and going on that. And I think he's going to look back at all that time that he went down there and, and he maybe not had great holidays and dealt with the anxieties, and I think he's really going to look back at that and appreciate that he was... Well, I will only tell you this. None of that ever had to do with his dad. <laughs> All right. I'll leave it at that. Yeah. None of that ever had to do with his dad. Ah, <laughs> uh, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Um, here's Glenn. Glenn, you're on run a fez Hey, buddies. Um, do you think... Sweet moment. Um, if, if I could just take a little bit of your airtime and, um, and just give some appreciation out to a couple of my buddies that I haven't seen in a while, but they listen to the show. Um, my buddy Eddie B, he's, uh, always got something nice to say, you know, like even if, 
even if you're down and not doing well and, you know, you let somebody down or something, you know, and everybody hates you, like, Eddie's the kind of guy that'll just come up and be like, hey, man, you know, tomorrow's another day, you know, like, I still love you for who you are and, uh, you know, soldier on kind of thing. And uh, my buddy Crude, who uh, he'll go, he'll go a mile out of out of his way just to just to help you do something. Um, I'm sorry, man. I'm, uh, it's, no, I, I get it. Like I said, when these things come up, it we do uh, personalize. We personalize each and every uh, part of it. It is a universal thing. It's a shared thing that we all go through. Jim in Boston, you're on the Ron Fest show. Hey, Ronnie. Uh, I just relate to uh, all this to to the big cat and the fact that um, for some reason I remember you, I relate this to you talking to your dad about when the Phillies won the World Series. Mm-hmm. And I lost my dad to Lou Gehrig and never got to see the Red Sox win the World Series. Yeah. And for some reason, you know, there's something to be when the Sox won the series. Just like you, I, I really wanted to talk to my dad. Didn't have a chance. Yeah. But I, I really wanted to call and just say that you don't call him the big cat for no reason. Yeah. You know, and uh, I love Fess, and a lot of people up in Boston love him. You know, he really is a strong person, and I just wanted to send some love up from here. That's all I have to say. Thank you very much, my friend. Um, let's go over to Troy. Troy, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, good morning, guys. Hey, I lost my mom about a month ago to cancer, and I know exactly what he's going through. I mean, he's going to have some good days and some bad days. He's a good, he's a good man, and you guys know that. Got a good, a lot good people around him with you in the show there. So I just wanted to give my condolences and tell him to keep his head up. It'll get better. Yeah, I do have some people writing about wanting to send flowers, and I think that probably Fez would like to keep this as a, um, you know, a family. Sh- uh, experience for myself, but if you would like to write to Fez at um, Fez2000 at AOL, um, I'm sure he'd like to get those. Well, let's face it, I know he'd love to get some good emails. <laughs> I know he would. Um, let's go over to Lucas in Austin. You're in Fez. Hey, uh, Ronnie and Pepper. Uh, I'm, uh, it's Lucas, the intern uh, from 2008. And uh, I just wanted to tell you guys, um, and certainly uh, somehow pass along to Fez in, in some way, that uh, my time in New York, it was because of you, and it couldn't have been any more incredible. And you guys were just absolutely the best. And, uh, and Fez was amazing. He, he really uh, did his best to take care of me and make my time there uh, special and, and uh, helpful and and you guys are just the best. And I just want to pass along my condolences because uh, it's a rough time, obviously. And uh, you guys are just the best. And I just wanted that to. I just wanted to say that. That's all I, I got for you, really. I appreciate it, my friend. Take care of yourself. Eight six six Ron Zero Fez. Eight six six Ron Zero Fez. Uh, William in Dallas, you're on Fez. Hey, Ronnie, how you doing? Yeah. Yeah, it's just a question. I've never really lost anyone um, super close to me, and, and I kind of walk around with this fear of how am I going to handle it? You know, like how do I know I'm going to be able to to get through this, and I don't know if it's something that you've been, obviously it is something you've been through. When it hits, if you haven't really been thinking about that, how, how difficult is it for you to get through something like that? Um, it's not, it's one of those things is like, it literally is not a choice. It's not a choice at all. Um, uh, you know, you just have to get together. I remember, uh, God, I was a little kid, and, and one of my one of the older people in my family had died, and I was 
I was uh, kind of broken up about it, and they asked me to be a, a pallbearer. And uh, and I was feeling pretty sad about the the whole deal. And I said to my mom, I go, Mom, I just, you know, I'm too sad. I, I, I can't be a pallbearer. And my mom says to me, well, she can't walk. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. Okay, I got it, you know. Make it about, you know, getting okay. through. Make it about, yeah, my mom was a very gentle woman. And, um, but it was really good advice. I mean, the, the fact of the matter is there are some things in life, and when this comes up, you don't have a choice but to handle it the way that you can. You don't have any other choice. Uh, Jarrett, you're on the Run of Fez show. Yeah, Ronnie B. Uh, I just want to thank you for building up this big, big-ass family that we've got here. Uh, I think it's a testament to the way that you and Fezzy are able to connect with the listeners and allow the, the two-way back and forth for four hours every day that, you know, we as listeners really do feel Fezzy's pain and can feel uh, by listening to you and talking about Fezzy's dad just how how much Fez seemed to love him and the father seemed to love him and it's just a really great thing to be able to connect with you guys for four hours every day and I don't know if you know you get thanked enough for it but you know on behalf of the listeners I really want to thank you and him and and Hicks and everybody involved with the show for bringing this to us every day yeah we definitely made a mistake on that on that part of it there's no doubt about it um here's uh Richard in Tampa you're on Fez hey Ronnie B um, I go way back. I, I call in every once in a while and talk to you about the old Ron and Ron days, but I actually met Fez's dad at a live gig. It was in St. Pete. I can't think of the place that it was at. It was right off 275 and Eisenhower. You know what I'm talking about, right? Mm-mm. It was just a really nice guy. It was just happy Fez, you know, was doing his thing, and it was just the great old days, man. Um, miss him. Fez's dad, absolutely. Got the biggest kick out of uh, Fez uh, being Fez Watley. I mean, he really, really did. And that always gave me a kick because that has been um, uh, I have a great kid. I have a great relationship with 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 my son. Probably one that's that's very unique um, uh, than, than a lot of dads and sons have. And, it, and it's wonderful. The one thing he has done, though, is I have um, this this fear. It's irrational, I think, to a bit. At least I think it is um, that I just don't want anything to happen to me. And at times, I will I will get um, I will feel the stress, and it's from I worry about anything happening to me and my poor boy having a smaller family as a result of his mom not living, mm-hmm. um, and and worrying about what's going to happen to him, and. Um, but one of the things I'm going to do to help that today, it's going to be a small thing, but I'm going to light a Tatawahe Reserver 7th in, in your honor for what you've done and for Fez's dad, the little thing that will make me feel better because it's, it's weird how these little things pull you through. But I'm going to do that for you. Thank you for the, for the job you've done today. It's, it's always a pleasure. John, I'm sure that will be the thing that puts Fez over the top. I mean, that's all we really need it right now. Pep, it's done. He's writing that Tatawahe. Thing. I don't finally. be all, Yeah, finally we got that taken care of. Um, well, uh, I am, uh, like I said, incredibly, incredibly uh, proud of Fez today, and 
I will also say this. I know it's strange to say at a time of mourning, but I'm happy for Fez uh, that he had that experience of being the guy, you know, being the guy. And um, you do those things. And like my mom says, can't walk. You got to be the guy. Uh, And though I'll I'll leave it up to to Fez when he gets back here to... um, to to share anything that he wants to share or keep anything that uh he wants to keep to himself but in an overlooking now you know fez's dad's life having four kids um and grandchildren and being part of a community and being known as that guy the fun guy uh the silly guy the guy that can make people laugh and and more importantly than that, the guy that could laugh. Uh, and you need guys uh, that can make you laugh. But I think even I think it's even a bigger thing to be the guy who can laugh, to be the guy who can find lightness uh, in the world. And uh, sitting there with uh, uh, Fez's mom last night and hearing uh, Carol say... I've known him since I was 10 years old. I don't remember life before him. That kind of stuff is just doesn't happen. It's not something that does happen. Uh, one of my favorite memories, and I, and I got a lot of Fez's dad, but when we were doing Unmasked, uh, we just first started to get it done, and um, we got Bob Newhart. Uh, on the show, and Fez's parents decided to come up to yeah. see the unmasked, um, just to be there because his dad was such a a big fan of Bob Newhart, and uh, we did it at, at this club uh, downtown, and uh, brought Fez's dad uh, back to meet him, and they were shaking hands, and it was. Uh, it was a great moment for me because I'm like, well, there are uh, two of the funniest people in the world meeting. To me, it was two comedy giants finally getting a chance to meet. It really was because he was that funny. Um, Fez's dad always had a song that he shared uh, with his mom since he was uh, a little kid. And uh, it was his uh, favorite song. And even though he's a Scotsman and he had no right to this song, I'm going to give it to him anyway. Uh, And I just want to say absolutely uh, on a personal note um, to Dick Hillier, thank you so much for giving us off Fez Watley. It's been another life that you changed. You helped change my life. Danny Boy. Oh, Danny Boy, the pipes, the pipes are calling from Glen to Glen and down the mountainside. The summer's gone 
Hawaiian shirt day. So, you know, if you want to, go ahead and uh, wear a Hawaiian shirt and jeans. show on a friday right yep so that makes tomorrow a saturday which means i am not coming to work and let rob cross know that immediately i'll send him a memo oh did you get the thing from rob that we got the new song by those irish guys that you like yep what is the name of that band anyway the rubber bandits do you like it as much as the first uh song it can't you can't follow out you can't follow horse outside sophomore Sophomore slump. Sophomore right. jinx, huh? Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, uh, it's like trying to follow up Wild Thing. It just can't happen. Yeah. I mean, but they still have the masks on. They're still being silly Irishmen. Right. So it's still enjoyable, but, you know, come on, horse outside. Jesus. Are they big at all out of their neighborhood? Are they big in Europe or anything? I, I think so. I mean, just the amount of hits they've been getting, they have to get some sort of heat. Or at least they must be going on a tour soon. I mean, I Jesus. can't imagine a tour. <laughs> the horse outside tour. Come on. All right, so I've been kind of, as they say in the business, Twitter dark uh, lately. I know we have a uh, a big Oscar party. Uh, Oscars are Sunday night. In the Independent Awards, Saturday? Yeah, yeah Saturday, Saturday they do it on before. the beach. Uh, Oscar, by the way, I think this is the first time Fez and I will not be together uh, on the Oscars in 20 years. Oh. Whoa. We're closing in on his dad and his mom right now in terms of uh, being together. Um, so what did I, what have I missed? What's the big in the news? What's going on out in the world? Well, the big thing that was breaking yesterday was more Charlie Sheen news, where he basically called into Alex Jones's radio show. No, I don't know Alex Jones. Alex Jones, the sports show. No, he's um, infowars.com. He was in. 
What's InfoWars? Basically conspiracy theory stuff. Oh, Alice. so he listens to conspiracy theory yeah. radio? And apparently they hang out a lot, which is fucking crazy. Because Alex Jones is a, he's a crackpot. Uh-huh. He's, just, he's like real heavy. He's like the conspiracy theory guy. Well, whatever happened to the guy that used to be on overnights? Remember that guy? He would do this crazy show for years, and he would be out in the desert in, like, Nevada, and he had a big stick and would broadcast around the country, and it was basically ghost stories. Art Bell? Art Bell, yeah, that's it. And you would listen to him, and, like, one, there would be, like, a shadow government in the first hour. Cool. Second hour, it would be aliens are infiltrated the, you know, United States yeah. government. And, like, the third hour would be ghosts and shit. And you would always be thinking, like, are witches? Is it are there ghosts? Are there aliens? I mean, one of the and Art would never disagree with anyone. He'd be like, "Amazing! All right, wow, okay." So shine a light there. Yeah. So it's really uh, being run by aliens, and and they have Hillary Clinton. Oh no, she was never a human. Uh, they were, you know, this happens Art over hundreds of years, and like if you were ever taking a long trip, you'd put it on at night. And at first, you'd be like, what a bunch of nuts. But then you keep listening, you know, like it was a good twilight zone, <laughs> you know, because like, you're driving. Hey, good point. You're by yourself, and it's 3 o'clock in the morning, and people are talking about aliens, and you're like, shit. Why, um, why is this on national news? But there, the, the, there is so much money in paranoia. I'm crazy I never got into that business. <laughs> I should just sit here and scare the shit out of people. Great. Yeah. just It's real Carney and Rube stuff, but... The people uh, know uh, what they're up to. Uh, you know, they know, like, hey, it's like the same people, I guess, that read the National Enquirer. Yeah. You know, like, even if it isn't true, it's not celebrities. They, they just want to believe for a couple minutes that it is and, you know, get the rush out of it. All right, so he hangs around with this weird conspiracy nut. Yeah, he was also in Waking Life, actually. He was uh, in, in that crazy rotoscope movie. You know, it's weird that you even said that because Waking Life came up with the last person that got shot. The guy who shot the congresswoman in Arizona uh, was a huge Waking Life fan and would watch it over and over. Well, I mean, Alex Jones is a big part of it. Uh, and he's and he's a part of that. Same with the guy who uh, used to ride around on the double-decker buses in New York and <laughs> teach people about the cruise. All right, so go ahead. So he calls the show... Always a bad new, bad idea for Charlie Sheen. Yeah. And so at this point, it came out earlier that he's in the Bahamas with two sexy ladies, one of them a porn star, Brie Olsen, and another one is, uh, I don't know if Little Brie Olsen, who did the uh, the show with us that yeah. time he got hypnotized. Yeah, hypnosis show, yeah. And so he calls in and he, it's, he rambles on for about 18 minutes, just talking shit about people, just blasting everything in, in sight. All right, so you got some of it? Yeah, we got some of it right here. let's listen. Uh, You don't want to go there. You don't want to ever defend yourself, but you've told me privately most of the stuff, most of the names, it's it's not true. But what is going on uh, with the women in your life? The goddesses. Alex, the goddesses. um, Let me just say this about the goddesses. I don't believe the term is is good enough, is good enough. but when you're bound by these uh, these, these these terrestrial uh, descriptions, you must use the best choice available, right? Yes. So if you think about it, dude, it's like I'm over three with marriage, uh, with nary an excuse. But but like in baseball, the scoreboard doesn't lie, never has. So what what we all have um, is a is a marriage of the heart, 
of the heart. Uh, and I, you know, to, to, to sully, to contaminate or, you know, uh, or radically uh, disrespect this union with a shameful contract is something I will, yeah, you know, leave to the amateurs and the Bible grippers. The Bible grippers. And then I just got to add this. There was a whole firestorm yesterday about, about Brooke being, uh, you know, a part of our a part of our crew and this let me just say this this is all I'm going to say about it was is that uh, where there were four um, there are now three but bye Brooke and uh, good luck in your travels you're going to need it badly so so Brooke did go along with you but she's not there now no she's not there now and 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 we are and I don't know winning anyone <laughs> rhymes with winning anyone yeah that would be us. <laughs> Sorry, man. Didn't make the rules. Oops. All right. So here's the weird thing. The guy's supposed to be his buddy, but really this isn't buddy stuff. This is like the kind of shit I would do with Paul O. <laughs> What's happening now, Paul? You know. Who's that in the background? Who's that in the background? What happened? <laughs> it's fucking nuts. I mean, you're not like, oh, dude, you're kind of wired. I better get you off the phone. Mm-mm. I mean, that's what you would do with your friend. But this other guy, he's just running a radio show, and you know he and his uh, fucking producer are jerking off as this has happened, and they're like, this is great. This is the best thing that's ever happened to us. Fuck my friend Charlie Shane. This is going viral. Exactly. Um, what rhymes with winning? Us. Us. All right. Winning. Now, uh, what was the, the little girl's name, too, that was in here? I forgot. Uh, Brie Olson. Brie Olson, yes. So the thing with uh, Brie Olson... Is she is just a kid? I mean, she's very, very young. Yeah. Um, you know, from the day the you know the hypnosis show that she's kind of crazy. I think she did. She give us a signed box set. I don't know if know what happened. Signed. To I took. I have that. I think it was called Roller Girls with a Z. How was it? It was good. It was like four hours long. It was great porn. That's uh, that's too much porn. <laughs> took me a while to get through it all. So this is extra special for you because you met uh, Bray and she gave you the porn set. Mm-hmm. And now when you listen to these crazy calls and know that he's riding around with the goddesses. Um, <laughs> There's three now. Yeah. Well, it was four is now three. <laughs> You're gone. Sorry. Don't make the rules. All right. Let's hear some more. All right, here's this more. great show. I mean, you. Uh, I mean, you're on fire. Uh, as Nails uh, told the news yesterday. I mean, I agree with that description. Well, I think it was Nails that said, I was really, really flattered because he got it right that I'm not, you know, he might be Nails, but I'm freaking bayonets, you know. <laughs> I am battle-tested bayonets, bro, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm tired. I'm so tired of pretending like my life isn't perfect and bitching and just winning every second, and I'm not perfect and bitching and just delivering the goods at every freaking turn because look what I'm dealing with, man. I'm dealing with fools and trolls, you know, I'm dealing with, with soft targets, and it's just... You know, it's it's just strafing runs in my underwear before my first cup of coffee because I don't have time for these clowns. I don't have time for their judgment and their stupidity. And, you know, they lay down with their ugly wives in front of their ugly children and just look at their loser lives. And then they look at me and they say, I can't process it. Well, no, and you never will. Stop trying. Just sit back and enjoy the show. This is Kenny Powers' autobiography. <laughs> Winning. Winning. It's a fucking catchphrase. I didn't bring it. It's the best. Wow. Yeah. Wow, that is nuts. Yeah. This all happened, I guess, yesterday on the Alex Jones show. Winning. They can't process what's happening here. Look what I have to deal with. 
Oh, dude. I'm sick of pretending my life isn't perfect. When what it the- is, check it out. I'm battle-tested bayonets. I'm Kenny fucking Powers. It's- you know he's smelling his fingers as he's sitting there doing yeah. this. Yeah. In the and, and his dad and his brother have got to be going, what? Take his phone away. Yeah. Uh, all right, is there more? Oh, yeah, there's more. Good. In here, he talks about um, Chuck Lorre, the, the, the producer for fucking, or co-creator of Two and a Half Men. All right, Chuck Lorre is the guy who who not only created Two and a Half Men, but like a ton of other shows. Yeah, he's, he's fucking big time, yeah. He's and when these shows, yeah, and they're never, I'm not trying to be offensive here, but they're never good. Oh. Read off Chuck Lorre's list of success. I don't know what he has on the American public. Grace Under Fire. Okay, crazy show. Sybil, Dharma and Greg, Two and a Half Men, The Big Bang Theory, which is also huge right Gigantic, now. Gigantic, yeah. Mike and Molly. Another hit that came out of nowhere that everyone saw, like, uh, the premise, two overweight people, and you're like, well, that's not for TV. Oh, and he was in the early seasons of Roseanne as a writer and co-executive producer. So Every show he seems like he's connected with is Bananas, though. Because, yeah. like, Sybil was always bananas. And then yeah, what was that was. other girl's name? Oh, God. Um, the one, the, go to the first show that you wrote. Gra- Grace on a Fire, yeah, yeah. yeah. What's her f- real name, the the one who starred in that? She was, yeah, this, she was uh, alcoholic. Yeah, right? she was crazy as shit. Yeah, Brett Butler. And usually successful show, yeah. but very kind of like Roseanne acty, where everybody, uh, you know, got involved in this thing that everybody that's in his life is nuts. All right, here's Charlie Sheen, and he's bayonet tested. And winning. Winning. Oh, thank you. It's done. <laughs> and what kind of stripes in his shorts? My God, F-18s or something he was talking about? No, he about? said he was talking about you're nothing but stripes in my running shorts. Did you hear it? Uh... I thought he said strafes in my shorts or something. I didn't even <laughs> Just... know what he was saying. No, he, no, doing strafing runs in his underwear, I think, was what he said. <laughs> it's because he's, he's just, I don't know, blowing shit up. All right, let's uh, hear some more. Charlie Sheen on a roll. But you're ready to go to back to work right now. Well, yeah, but but Alexander Tillman and, and you know I'm tired of being told like, oh, you can't talk about that, you can't talk about that. Bull S H I T. It's got. Let me just say this: it's nothing. Uh, uh, this side of deplorable that a certain Heim Levine, yeah, that's Chuck's real name, uh, mistook this rock star for his own selfish exit strategy, bro. Check it, Alex. I embarrassed him in front of his children and the world by healing at a pace that, that his unevolved mind cannot process. Okay, last I checked, Heim, uh, I've spent, I think, close to the last decade, I don't know, effortlessly and magically converting your, your tin cans into pure gold. And the gratitude I get in this get is, is this charlatan chose not to do his job, which is to write. Clearly someone who believes he is above the law. Well, you've been warned, dude. Bring it. Oh, my God, it's Kenny fucking Powers. I've turned your tin cans into gold. Yeah. When's the fucking self-help book going to come out? I, yeah, this is the weird thing. I can't say that he's lying. There's nothing about that show that works. Spot on. And it's incredibly popular, and I don't know why. Because Charlie's being Charlie. People can't get enough of it. It's in syndication. It's ridiculous. Yeah, and I, it's... I don't think you could laugh if you were watching the show. I don't know why it works. Maybe because that bayonet of him yeah. is just so perfect. It's razor sharp. Um, Ken from Portland wants to know, when did uh, 
Charlie Sheen started sounding exactly like Scott Farrell. You shake it up. By the way, this is the kind of stuff that Farrell always gets himself into. Um, all right, let's hear some more. All right, here's a short clip. I just, I'm sorry, man. I got, I got, I got magic, and I got poetry at my fingertips, and I'm, you know, at uh, most of the time, and this is, you know, this includes naps. You know, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm an F-18, bro, and I will, I will destroy you in the air, and I will, I will, I will deploy my ordinance uh, to the ground. I gotta be the man if you're the man. I gotta be the man if you're the man. He's excellent, even when asleep. Well, he's got magic at his fingertips right now. Yeah. Oh, his family must just be seeing this as a complete tragedy. Poor Martin. Yeah, it's just like, it's one step away from uh, running down the street in your boxer shorts, just jabbing a knife around. <laughs> I always loved that image was in a Woody Allen film. I think it was Radio Days. But just someone in the regular neighborhood, yeah. just one day, who just goes running out. And it's, I mean, obviously, and I'm not saying that he's getting high again, Although he's with, you know, two porn stars that he did coke with. Mm -hmm. But at the very least, there's something manic going on. And what people don't understand about addicts is, you know, a lot of times you're attempting to self-heal. That when you get fucked up, some of the manic or even depression feels a little better for a short time. So he could be dealing with that. But, you know, he was raised in out there so you know he's been raised around this crazy business for so long yeah. and i'm sure that he's saying he's looking down and saying you know these scripts stink it's terrible uh i'm getting paid more money than i ever thought possible people love it but the script stinks what it must be me it can't be any it's gotta be <laughs> the magic in my fingertips oh man oh I don't know whether you can look at a guy with this much money and say, you poor bastard. I don't know if that's even possible to do. He's out with the goddesses. Yeah. And the Bible grippers. Bible grippers, because it didn't get a laugh, so he threw it out there again. Yeah. Always a, a problem. <laughs> All right. Um, let's uh, jump back in. But, you know, there are parts of me that are... That is Hopper, because my, 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 my motto now is you either love or you hate, and you must do so violently. And the reason you must hate violently is because, and you have to hate everybody that's not in your family, because they're there to destroy your family. And they will, and they will come at you in all forms and shapes. And therefore, there's nothing in the middle. I don't live in the middle anymore. That's where you get slaughtered. That's where you get embarrassed in front of the prom queen. And I just, it's just not, it's just not an option. So, you know, within that is, is, is tremendous focus and tremendous clarity and tremendous peace because you have absolute and total resolve about your decisions. If you love with violence and you hate with violence, there's nothing that can be questioned. And people say, oh, you know, you've got to work through your resentments. Yeah, no, I'm going to hang on to them. They're going to fuel my attack. And they're going to fuel the battle cry of my deadly and dangerous secret and silent soldiers because they're all around you. Anyway, thought you were just messing with one dude. Sorry. Winning. Winning. Um, yeah, this is enough to get a Baker Act. That thing that he's saying right now of uh, this is a place that you go, even like you're manic or with extreme long drug use where, dude, I just figured it out. I'm a beam of light and everything else is an illusion. And when you start to get into that stuff, you can feel like really great. But you've left 
reality, you know. Yeah, um, yeah th- there's enough there that if the family wanted to, they could probably throw a net over him. Because he sound, you know, also with the paranoia and secret soldiers. Yeah, well, it's only one of them. Yeah. And if you don't love me immensely, then you hate me and you're trying to destroy me. Oh, that's... That's not a good place to be for yourself. No, he's totally batshit. Yeah, he was told him and Alex would watch. By the way, Alex, you're not his fucking friend. You're not his friend. You're just a radio host. (laughs) He did say he watched Apocalypse Now with him at his house in Malibu. Yeah, and now I'm Dennis Hopper. That is, let me tell you, Dennis Hopper had to come back from being Dennis Hopper. Yeah. Dennis Hopper spent the last 20 years of his life healing from being Dennis Hopper. It's not a good place. This is when you start seeing shit on the wings of the airplane. Oh, boy. Well, he has a private jet, so that's okay. Yeah, but they're still out there. And the private jet is being chased. And All right, let's hear some more. Right, here's, the last, here's the last bit I pulled. It's him shooting on AA. Okay. The only thing I'm addicted to right now is winning, you know? Uh, this, this, uh, this bootleg cult... Uh, you know, arrogantly referred to as Alcoholics Anonymous, is, Alex supports a 5% success rate. My success rate is 100%. Do the math. Take, for instance, its founder, a desperate and, I don't know, broken down plagiarist, uh, stayed high on acid until the day he died. I can't seem to find that chapter in his silly book of lies. And then, Alex, try to get your mind around this as a, as a fellow warrior deep in the trenches. Um, their entire manifesto is built upon a complete and total surrender, or the concept of complete and total surrender. They urge you to put down your sword and come join the winners. Uh, in 22 years, the only winners I could locate in their toothless warren were either driving a convertible van or living like trolls under some abandoned bridge. Another one of their stupid mottos, Alex, is uh, don't be special, be one of us. Newsflash, I am special, and I will never be one of you. Newsflash just in. He's so special. Um, I don't. I don't understand how this guy could be his buddy. Yeah, he's he's not. I don't understand how you let your buddy go out and do this. And so after this whole thing, late last night, uh, it was announced that he got shook hand from. Uh, or they they've shut down. Technically, they've shut down production of the show for the rest of the season. Look, here's the other thing, and it's not true just in Hollywood, but everywhere. Everything is okay until you fuck with the money. And when you fuck with the money, then you've made true enemies. And there's people out there now that are laying for him in the way he thought. Because this, you know, shutting this thing down, I think, was going to be a quarter of a billion dollars. Yeah, a retarded amount of money, yeah. And now it's done. Because they were supposed to start shooting it on Monday and do four more episodes of the season. Or well, they obviously couldn't do it when yeah. he's in this state. Well, he also told Radar Online that he'll take a drug test Monday. <laughs> and he'll, they'll, they can videotape it. Holy shit. I'm just looking this over now. All right, remember <laughs> when he said nails in the beginning? Go back to the first one. Because I didn't pick... It was the very first one the, that you played. I think it's the second one. The second one that yeah. he talks about nails? nails? Yeah. All right. I mean, you. Uh, I mean, you're on fire, uh, as Nails uh, told the news yesterday. I mean, I agree with that description. Well, I think it was Nails that said, and I was really, really flattered because he got it right. That I'm not, you know, he might be Nails, but I'm freaking bayonets, you know. <laughs> I am battle-tested bayonets, bro. And I'm, you know, I'm, right, I'm, let, I'm tired. I'm so right. tired of. 
Let me just tell you, the nails that he's talking about is Lenny Dykstra. The guy who just fucking lost everybody's money. Yeah. What are you doing with that fucking dude? He loves baseball players. He wants Major League 3 to happen. Holy shit. Now look at um look at the craziness of this. Uh Nails Charlie Dykstra is part of his inner circle. Fucked up inner circle that is. Wow. That's weird. That's fucking weird that now you're hanging out with uh Dykstra. That is bizarre, because why um, does this always happen to the people that Dykstra knows? <laughs> oh, man. Is that insane that yeah. that name would just pop into this? And I didn't even realize it. And nowhere. I think he flew a bunch of baseball players out to his house, too, I think, last middle last this week. Like Brian Wilson. From the fucking Giants. Well, what are they doing in that? You know what I mean? Like, why would you even be a part of that? Now, remember, Dykstra's other buddy was Darren Dalton. uh, And Dalton was the one that was diving backwards through space and time, remember? Oh, yeah. He did that crazy interview. (laughs) Holy shit. Holy shit. Uh, Kim, you're on Fez. Kim, we got you, darling? Oh, yeah. Um, so after they canceled the, the, uh, show, he wrote an open letter to TMZ and sent it to TMZ. Uh, you gotta read through it. It sounds like the guy's using Mad Libs. I mean, he's talking about fire-breathing fists and silly travels. You got it, Hicks? Yeah, I got it. All right. Um, the letter reads... What does this say about Haim Levine, Chuck Lorre, after he tried to use his words to judge and attempt to degrade me? I gracefully ignored this folly for 177 shows. <laughs> I fired back once, and this contaminated little maggot can't handle my, pow- my power and can't handle the truth. I wish him nothing but pain in his silly travels, especially if they wind up in my octagon. Huh? <laughs> Clearly I have defeated this earthworm with my words. Imagine what, what, I, have, what I would have done with you, my... Hold on. Yeah, you're the big winner now. <laughs> You're the big winner. All right, go ahead. Yeah, clearly, I have to feed this earthworm with my words. Imagine what, what I would have done with my fire-breathing fists. I urge all my beautiful and loyal fans who embraced this show for almost a decade to walk with me side by side as we march up the steps of justice to right this unconscionable wrong. Remember, these are my people, not yours. We will continue on together. Charlie Sheen. Uh, where's the part someone's writing to me that he, he said he works for the Pope? As an assassin, that was all part of this? What the fuck? Uh, Kevin, you're on a fez. Hey, buddy. Yeah. Man, this fucking guy rules. I mean, just the incoherent shit that he is spitting out. I mean, you know what's going to happen to this guy. It's going to end up in a train wreck. He's going to end up dying. But, I mean, you got to get a guy. I, I don't think so. I, I think they pull him back. Uh, and he comes out and, you know, does Oprah or whatever is going to be the new Oprah. 
and uh, he gets another show, and life goes on. And so he does it again. Tom, um, you're on Fez. Mr. B, you asked why uh, these guys are hanging out with Charlie Sheen. No, I asked uh, why he's hanging out with them. Well, born on Stars and Blow. Um, yeah, I, I get why anybody would want to be there for it. Uh, Chris, you're on Ronnie Fez. Ronnie, uh, in the context of uh, treatment or addiction, uh, you know, I know people need to help themselves and all that shit, but, you know, what is really so wrong with what he's doing? I mean, if he can't see how far gone he is, he's not hurting anyone else, theoretically. I know he's got a couple kids, so I guess you could say that's the collateral damage, but what's really so wrong with this? Well, it would be up to his people, his family, would decide whether they think that he's hurting himself and get involved. I don't think it's up but, to... But this guy's single, and he's 40. I mean, at what point do you kind of give up the choke on someone? You know, you know what I'm saying? It's, well, family never I gives up. I mean, to you, it's going to be somewhat of entertainment. But I'm sure to his brother and his dad and his mom that that this is as horrific as if he, you know, had uh, some kind of a fucking horrible disease. It must feel the same exact way. And you're like, well, he's 40. If he wants to have a disease, he can. Um Adam, you're on the Run of Fez show. Yeah, this sounds exactly like the Steve-O shit. When Steve-O was doing the whole rehab show, not the show, but where, where, where they show him just overdosing and everything, just the babbling, the non-coherent, makes no sense, but words are still coming out, same shit. Well, here's the weird thing, though. And I remember when I saw that stuff with Steve-O and he was busting up the house and trying to freak out his neighbor next door in the apartment. He yeah. was, like, knocking the wall down. I'm like, that, you know, we'll read about Steve-O. Nope, he come out. He uh, he's back. Mm-hmm. Um, here's our good friend, the Scram Dog from Chicago. Hey, Ronnie. Uh, well, first things first. Uh, my best to Fezzi and his family. Um, one quick comparison: if uh, this guy, whose radio show this is, is Charlie Sheen's friend, then so is the uh, person who took a picture or a video of Miley Cyrus smoking the bong. And put it out, you know, that's the same kind of friend this guy is. Um, but in, in your opinion, personality-wise, is, is this on the rails or off the rails behavior? Not drug-wise, but just, I mean, does he think he's in control of himself right yeah, now? Yeah, he definitely does, but he thinks it's one of those things when you think that you're living on a higher plane than other people. Yeah. And uh, it's one of the things that happens when people come off dope. Um because that becomes this huge chemical imbalance thing. Um, and the stuff that he was saying about the success rate of AA, that ain't wrong. I mean, you know, the success rate is only, it's like any diet. Yeah. It's like the success rate as long as you don't go off of it, you know. So uh, people do have a, th- there's no real one uh, switch I mean, you have to fucking work that switch every single day. Uh, and people never, you know, believe they're like, well, he's fine now. Okay. Winning. Winning. What rhymes with winning? Us. Get it? Good. Newsflash. I'm great. Um, here's Brian. Brian, you're on Fez. Hey, guys. Just a quick question. Who would you rather have a night on the town with, Chuck Sheen or Mel Gibson? Well, it doesn't even come close for me because Chuck seems like he's a loner. I mean, Chuck is like the party guy. Mel Gibson is the weird loner. Yeah. 
Uh, but they're Cult-like. both falling into that conspiracy nut stuff. Mm-hmm. But in, with both of them, and I'm not a fucking psychiatrist, but the brain ain't working right. There's some kind of <laughs> chemical imbalance with where these people take shit. This is what he said about being a, an assassin for the Pope. We work for the Pope. We murder people. We're Vatican assassins. How complicated can it be? What they're not ready for is guys like you and I and Nails and all the gnarly, gnarly, gnarlingtons oh, in my life. Th- this, this wasn't the letter. This was the, the audio. This was the part of the rant. <clears throat> I'd love to hear that audio where he drags the Pope into it. Um, Frank, you're in Fez. Hey, Ronnie? Yeah. Hey, buddy. I was just curious on uh, what's the under and over on how many days until Charlie pulls uh, Britney Spears and really hits rock bottom. Well, you say that, but she is, you know, apparently back and doing whatever she does. I mean, these things can be fixable, as crazy as they sound. Oh, he sounds really fucking gone. But how is he supposed to hit rock bottom when he has enough money to fly uh, on a private jet to the Bahamas with two hookers? I'm sorry, two porn stars. Um, that's the problem with having money. Is that money can fuck you up as much as anything else. People get batshit on money. Uh, Michael, you're on Fez. Hey, Ron. Uh, when Charlie Sheen talks now, it sounds like an Ultimate Warrior promo for the WWF. Uh, it does. And there was even, uh, somebody wrote this in, a little Rick Rude in there. Where all you fat Malibu sweat hogs. Um, James, you're on a fez. Hey, I'm not sure which clip of uh, Charlie Powers it was we just listened to, but if you listen closely, you can hear Stevie in the background saying he wishes he was Charlie's dick, fucking Brie Olson. It really did. I bet there is a Stevie in his life as well, too. Just fucking helping to get ones. That's his big job. Keep running back and forth. He needs the rain on fucking broads. <laughs> and these are goddesses right now. There's no other word for it. How are you supposed to say to the guy, you're really in trouble, dude, when you're in a private jet going to the Bahamas and they're saying this is going to cost them. So well, some other Charlie Sheen news came out. He also announced that he's going to HBO and getting $5 million an episode. About show just about himself. That's less. Yeah. That's less money. <laughs> I'm gonna do the fucking math for you. You were making more money before, I think. Wasn't he making like a hundred million dollars a year? Now HBO, they can't fucking do this because the backlash will be too big. Like if they go, oh, let's just have this show about him. I think people would be mad at HBO. Um. John, you're in my face. Hey, could this, uh, could he wind up being like another Anne Hache where he winds up in somebody's, uh, living room saying he's from a spaceship? Um, it, he's basically doing the same thing. He's basically doing the same thing. Uh, leader, you're in my face. Yeah, I think it's crazy that Charlie Sheen's life is basically what we wanted out of last season of Entourage. Yeah, they, Entourage didn't know how to get it this big. But yeah, this should have been it for them. This is how big they should have ran with it. Instead of, you know. It's partying with Sasha Gray. Yeah, but barely. Yeah. You know, I think he took it in the ass in one of the episodes. Oh. It is girl ass. Remember how much they 
put his girl ass on fucking oh, God, screen? Yeah. Oh, that was. Uh... Dustin, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, uh, I listened to this live, and uh, you're missing the best part. Is when he was on that rant about loving and hating with violence, he was out now saying, Well, I'm going to kill people violently. And then Alex would say, Well, you mean, you mean kill them in the info war? You know, because uh, the media will pick up on that and misconstrue it. And he peacefully say, No, no, I'm going to destroy them. I'm going to destroy them violently. And I, I, Alex kept going back to, you, you mean destroy them with words? You mean destroy them in the info war? And he, he just wouldn't come off of it. Well, the stuff that he got with the Pope. Give me that read again. What was that, Hicks? Because that, to me, is my favorite part of it all. I'm a what kind of assassin? We're Vatican assassins. Now, he couldn't have made up that fuck. Does that exist? I need some conspiracy nuts out there to let me know if the term Vatican assassins has already been around. All right, what else did he say, Hicks? We're Vatican, uh, we're Vatican assassins. We, how complicated can it be? What they're not ready for is guys like you and I and Nails and all the other gnarly gnarlingtons in my life. That we are high priests. Vatican assassin warlocks. Boom. I like that we're bringing gnarly back for the first time in 30 years. That's fucking seriously. That's needed to, to come back. But I guess you still say that if you grew up in Malibu. <laughs> yeah, it slangs the shit. All right, so Vatican assassins, we work for the Pope. And then I wonder whose job they would be murdering. Like, he might be saying this like there's demons. Like, some of these people have demons inside. I see that he's also written back to uh, TMZ that don't take it that he's an anti-Semite. He's not. Yeah. I guess because the guy he's battling with, he brought up his actual pronunciation and not the Americanization of his name. Um. Adam, you're on the Run of Fez show. That assassin shit, that's from fucking a video game, Assassin's Creed. All right, and they, there's something called Vatican Assassins in a video uh, game? I'm almost positive because I played the game, and, and it has, it's all about Rome and the Vatican and the war and, 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 uh, and their assassins. I'm almost positive it's from the fucking video game. Way to go, Laszlo. You did it again. <laughs> there's also a website called VaticanAssassins.org that seems very... Uh, I thought Alex that the, I, I thought that the fucking name was too cool for him just to fucking improv. Because <laughs> that's seriously, if I was a Vatican assassin, Badass. my parents would be so proud of me. Uh, Thomas, you're on the Fez. Thomas, once, twice, did we lose you, Thomas? Thank you, uh, Butch. You're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, what's up, Ronnie? Um, yeah. hey, two things. Uh, can you imagine the drug-fueled rants that aren't getting out, like when he's fumbling around for a pipe in between lines with hookers sitting on his face? And, there, and there's no difference between his speeches and David Koresh's. I mean, he rules. There's nothing better than this guy. Um, yeah, I know it's entertaining to people. I'm certain that, you know, right now... If you're working in paparazzi or for any of the rags, this is just fantastic news oh to God. you. I mean, you just got to be thinking, we're all going to get paid. Yeah. Um, Jeff, you're on my fence. Hey, guys, how you doing? Uh, yeah, that new show that's going to be going on Showtime in a couple months, I think, The Borgias with uh, Jeremy Irons yeah. about the Pope and the Vatican, that features a lot of Vatican assassins and, you know, them poisoning other cardinals and, 
killing people. It actually looks very, very good. It's almost like a first mafia-type family. I saw the previews for that. There's something about that era that I'm not a big fan of, and I don't know why. Mm. I can't put up with all that fancy lad talk and guys wearing leotards and shit, but I will definitely check it out. Uh, Ryan, you're running first. Ryan. Lost your pal. Uh, here's uh, Tony Armand Fez. Hey, Ronnie, I just did a search, search, hurry up and search, and it said that Eric John Phelps wrote a book, that Kennedy, a conspiracy book, that Kennedy died at the hands of the Vatican assassins. All right, so there's already this weird thing about Vatican assassins. Yeah, it's associated with this website, the same book. And that they had Kennedy killed, because I guess, I'm going to guess he knew secrets about the church that he was about to give out. But they had to put a stop to him, though, from saying it. All right, so who are all the people in his life right now? He's rocking with Lenny Dykstra. Alex Jones. <laughs> Alex Jones, the up to me. I've never heard of before, guy. Conspiracy theorist fucking top yeah, dog. Yeah, but that's all. Believe me, the last thing you need when you're fucking coked up is a conspiracy theorist. Because yeah. you're fucking open to it yeah. at that point. Brie Olsen, the porn star. Yeah. And then the other girl he's with is a uh, like a... Like a model type that was like on the cover of High Times. All right. Where's fucking Emilio Estevez? I don't know. It's really fucked up. Where's Emilio Estevez and Rob Lowe and Sean Penn and all those guys that grew up with him? Because they were all kids together on the beach. That was the Brat Pack, right? Or no, sort of pre-Brat. Pre. I mean, they were kids on the beach in Malibu and their parents were in show business. Yeah. And there's, like, pictures of these guys, like, at each other's seven-year-old birthday parties and shit long before they all got up. And that's why this, um, the weirdness of American Idol finally just exposes the fact that if you happen to have grown up and had the right connections out there, you would be. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. if your fucking uh, older brother was Alec Baldwin, you'd be a Baldwin brother and you'd be getting shit. Hell yeah. It, it isn't career. some kind of a talent. You're fucking pretending. Well, he also hangs out with Brian Wilson, the closer for. Uh... <laughs> for the he job. should hang out with fucking Brian Wilson, the Beach Boy. Got a lot in common. And even that stuff of you know, I got magic in my fingertips. He thinks he's wild thing when he's talking. Yeah, he's you don't, fun. You don't fucking need any fingertips when you're an actor. I've got a fucking comedy slider working for me right now that explodes. Justin Yerman affairs. Hey, what's going on? I want to give a shout-out to Fez. Sorry about what happened. And I wanted to say Moby, Moby, the DJ guy, yeah. he had a punk band in the 80s called the Vatican Assassins. Wow. So this term has been around for a while, and somehow it's, uh, I've uh, I've missed it. Uh, Pete, you're on the Fez. Hey, first of all, the Fez and his family. That's hey, sweet. the fact of the matter is this guy, he peaked before he was 30. He was in two good movies, Platoon and Wall Street. Then he started making hot shots, you know, movies. And then, you know, it went to direct-to-DVD movies. I mean, television was his last option, and now he's screwing that up. And all this media stuff is just feeding his ego. Yeah, but here's the thing. You're, you don't understand what a massive television star he is. He is the biggest television star right now. On television. It's like, you know, Dick Van Dyke was in the late 60s or 
when you're looking at Alan Alda with MASH. I mean, there, it's one thing that you, you know, you're saying, uh, he did a couple of good movies. He saw Wall Street. You could take Wall Street's audience and fucking fit them into the goddamn watch pocket of any fucking audience every week on this two and a half men. Just because you don't like it or don't think, or, or you think that it's shit doesn't mean that it's not massive. This is the shit that they watch in Iowa and places like that. And they have, those people have got to be totally weirded out with, like, you know, the Walmart crowd sitting down at night going, wait, that guy that we watch every week and we laugh at and he wears cigar shirts, he says he's a Vatican assassin and he runs around with hookers. I'm sorry, porn stars. It fucking shows average 15 million people every single season, all eight seasons. It's fucking... It's it's gigantic. It's a gigantic show in a time where there's not, you know, gig- it, it's the biggest sitcom in a time where, you know, sitcoms aren't that big. It's very hard to pull them off these days. Uh, Blake, Rhode Island, you're in Fez. Hey, Ronnie. Hey, I just want to tell you about one of the most, uh, the biggest probably uh, story about the Vatican assassins is uh, Roberto Calvi. He was referred to as God's banker. I guess he was a huge banker in uh, Rome that dealt with the Vatican's accounts, and he was going to tie the Vatican to mafia and money laundering. And uh, his brother was murdered, and then he was murdered. I guess they made a film after it. I never heard this term. Yeah, if you research uh, God's Banker, I'm sure you'll find a bunch of stuff on it. And so you just think this is just some crazy shit that he's reading when he's all lit up? Yeah, most likely. Man, that's see, that's what fucking happens. Um, Eddie, you're on Run of Fez. Eddie. Yes. Why can't they just leave the fucking guy alone, man? Because he calls radio shows and writes letters to TMZ. If he said to himself, I'm going to use this money to isolate myself, no one would ever hear about him again. He's calling radio shows. He's writing letters to TMZ. Could you imagine working at TMZ and you get this fucking handed to you? It's got to feel fantastic. Oh, the best thing in the fucking world. It's like it's just handed to you and you've got a, the biggest star on television just fucking talking the craziest you've ever heard. you got to remember, most of these people make up this shit that he's doing for real. You know what I mean? Like yeah. Most of the time they're like... Are Brad and Angelina crazy? You know, they're just fucking pretending um, that they're together, uh, that all this shit is going down. And here it actually is. Um, John, you're on Fez. I think why this behavior hasn't affected Charlie Sheen so far is the guy he plays on that show is an alcoholic playboy that bangs hookers. So I, I've never seen the show, so he basically acts exactly like he's playing. Yeah. Maybe worse. <laughs> All right, so that's interesting. That's the character, yeah. He's just constantly getting fucked up and banging the whores. And our thoughts are with us and his family. Oh, thank you very much, dude. All right, take care. And he has a ridiculous amount of money on the show for doing no work. So I guess, yeah, it's basically... All right, how, on the show, how does he make his money? He's a uh, jingle writer. He's a, he writes jingles for commercials or whatever. And he, like, fucking thinks it's, you know, beneath him or whatever. But he's like, whatever, I'm getting a lot of money and getting fucking hammered, banging lots of hot broads. Um, so I guess this all plays into it. 
Uh, here's Carly. You're on Rana Fez. Hey, Ronnie B. How are you? Good, darling. First of all, I want to say we started a Fezzy hashtag on Twitter for anybody who wants to send them their deepest sympathies. That's sweet. Poor baby. But I got a question for you. Yeah. Have you noticed how many professional people, actors, musicians, etc., seem connected to Alex Jones? I, I've never heard of the guy before today. No way. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's nobody who doesn't sort of make the Alex Jones stop these days. It's weird. And he's like beyond right wing, right? He's like... He's not really right wing. I think he hates Republicans. He's just the king of the conspiracy hill. People love a good conspiracy. I mean, it's where we are in this uh, country is nobody believes in anything anymore. You know, like we have lost any kind of we've kind of had our our wake up call when it comes to church, uh, government, media. I mean, across the board, we're like. You fucked with us too much. Yeah, everything is up for fucking debate. <laughs> so now, like, people are trying to even go so far as to make up shit. About, you know what I mean? Like, oh, uh, you better watch out for Morton Salt. And you're like, what? Now, now you're going too far. Morton Salt is fine. No. <laughs> Believe me, I know some people. <laughs> um, Dan, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, love to uh, Fezzy out there. Yeah, you know, that last part of the clip you were playing, he sounded like Kurt. And, uh, you know, Heart of Darkness, maybe they need to get his father and send him up there and put him out of his misery. Send him up river. <laughs> uh, driver, you're on a Fez. Hey, Ronnie, when it comes to that Vatican assassin thing, he's actually talking about the United States and its founding being a corporation of the Vatican. So he's saying he's on the side of the U.S. and the Vatican. Yeah, he's just pointing it out that that's what it is. No, he's saying, I'm a Vatican assassin yeah. and I have I, secret soldiers. I, yeah, I know. I know. I listen to the whole thing. I listen to Alex every day. And listen, anyone who thinks Alex is a conspiracy theorist, he's got the papers to back up what he says. All you got to do is uh, do the homework. Well, tell me a little bit about, about what he does. I'm not even familiar with the guy. Well, it just basically, years ago, started pointing out that the globalists are pushing for this one-world order, the one-world currency, one-world health care, one-world police state. Everyone called him nuts. Uh, basically, everything he talks about has came true or is coming true, and uh, that's just the way it is, man. I give him props. He's a true fucking patriot, if you ask me. Um, here's Bob. Bobby Armand Fez. Yeah. Hey, Ron. Uh, it sounds it sounds a lot like this guy is doing acid, you know. Not and he sounds more like Charlie Manson when he talks. You know, the, the, the way the the thoughts are just disconnected and disjointed. It sounds like it sounds more than more than just coke. No, like I said, a lot of times people get into uh, drugs or heavy alcohol because they're attempting to self medicate, whatever. Um, Whatever this weird fucking brain chemistry problem they're going through. Uh, Thomas, you're on a fez. Yeah, uh, earlier Charlie mentioned uh, his minions or whatever, the people following him. The people that watch his show, I know you've seen it, it's stupid. They're not following him. The only people that are are guys like Hicks saying, go leave him alone and hookers and blow, go fucking change. It is Hicks' fault, really. Daniel, you're on a fez. <laughs> Yeah, uh, you know, Alex Jones is a fucking whack job. He, he was on ONA a couple months ago, a year ago, whatever. So I was talking about little kids in New York being put in, uh, 
being being killed by medicine or testing out on the show. It's just fucking crazy. All right, thanks. Uh, Paul, you're on running Fez. Ronnie, when most of the two biggest victims are going to be John Cryer and that fucking kid, what are they going to do? Jeez. I don't know how their victims have been fucking carried along, I guess, on Sheen's fucking magic fingertips for the last couple of years. Yeah, really, watch out for the bayonet, kid. All right, we need to uh, break here. We're going to... Oh, we'll talk a little bit of Oscars, maybe Independent Spirit uh, Awards with our good friend G-Baby in uh, just a couple minutes. And that's coming up next after the jump on the Run of Fest show. Undaunted, I knew the game was mine to win. Just like in life, all of my successes depend on me. I'm the man who has the ball. I'm the man who can throw it faster than fuck. So that is why I am better than everyone in the world. Kiss my ass and suck my dick. That was Charlie Sheen and his self-help book. Hmm. Uh, it is the big Oscar weekend and independent film uh, weekend. And I'll, let's talk to the man, the man from Slash Film, uh, our good pal G-Baby. Hey, G-Baby, what's up, dude? Hey, what's up, Ronnie? I just want to say first, you know, my thoughts are out to Fez and his family. It's a terrible loss. Well, that's very, but, that's uh, very kind of you. Thank you. But yeah, this is it. This is a big weekend. The uh, weekend Hollywood always looks forward to Oscars, Independent Spirit Awards, and uh, it's getting crazy out here. The traffic outside is unbelievable because they closed down like two blocks, and uh, <laughs> it just gets insane over here. Is that pretty much your neighborhood? Is that where you live, G-Baby? Yeah, I, I, I live about about four or five blocks from the, uh, the Kodak Theater. Um, so your neighborhood, when this when this all comes down... Uh, I guess it's like your Super Bowl every year. Yeah, more or less. They basically closed down that entire block, and then uh, on the day of, they closed down the uh, sort of perpendicular block. And, uh, yeah, it's just it's gridlock all day, every day, from like 7 a.m. till about 7 p.m. all around it. I don't even – we're just getting – on Sunday during the big show, we're just going to get out of here, you know, just not even be close. Well, how do they even get the actors in and out of that place? Uh, that's got to be but, crazy. Well, it's because they close uh, they close down roads around it, and I guess they must the limos must have a specific route. Like they close down the two main roads. Uh, getting to those roads must be a bitch. But other than that, uh, once you get to you know like it's on Hollywood and Highland, and basically once you get to you know Highland, you can just drive up. They close like you know like a bunch of blocks around it. So, all right. So, uh, is there anything exciting that's going to even happen at this uh, award ceremony, or do we know it all? I think we pretty much know it all. I think there might be, you know, one or two, like, minor surprises here and there. And as you get closer to the awards, you always start thinking about what if, you know, like we said earlier in the week, what if Haley Steinfeld wins, you know, um, what if he, the illusionist beats Toy Story 3. But once you get to the end, uh, once you get to the day of and you're watching the show, chances are nothing's going to happen. And I was just reading just because we were going to talk about it on uh Nikki Fink over on Deadline, they they got like the breakdown of what's going to happen during the show, mm-hmm. and it's just it's just the most boring. There's nothing exciting. There's no surprises. 
you know, it just looks like it's going to be a three-hour snooze fest. Uh, but, you know, you hold that hope that something will happen. Maybe they should do a thing where just like, I don't know, like uh, Jack Nicholson and Clint Eastwood are playing street hockey somehow. Just something that people go, where the hell did that come from? <laughs> that would be fun. Yeah, like a, like a scene out of Clerks. Like have them like, just do a bunch of like you know old movies. I think that this year are going to do like some sort of tributes to the old Oscars and stuff. But, you know, who gives a shit? Like, give me something new. I, I don't know. Let Banksy show up in a, uh, in a monkey mask. But, you know, they won't even let you go that far, you know, so. Uh, is there any way the Weinsteins lose this thing? Do, do they got it locked in? I, they've got it pretty much locked in. I, it, at the end of the day, I think there's a, a small contingency of people out there who, like, you know, are really pulling for a social network. But... At this point, I mean, I'm all now. I'm hearing that David Fincher might not even win Best Director. Mm-hmm. Even that was, you know, now that now Tom Hooper, the guy did King's Speech, is inching up on him, um, just sort of buzz wise. Yeah, Harvey and Bob, they just sort of like know how to build that buzz. They know like when to peak at the right time. They're like a play, you know, they're like a, a well-oiled playoff, machine, you know, playoff team. They they know not to, you know, they're not the New York Giants where they win the first six in a row. Doing the last six and go strong into the final. The weird thing, though, is that they're not even Hollywood insiders. I, they, I mean, they're in New York, but I mean, at this point, it's all relative. New York, Hollywood, you know. I mean, they're they're as much ingrained in what's going on out here mm. as, as as anybody, you know. All right, what about the Independent Awards? What's happening over there? You know, it's like that's that is actually the, probably the highlight of the weekend just because it's a lot more wide open. Uh, you, a, you don't hear as much about it. Mm-hmm. So you know that's going to be a little more exciting. Joel McHale's hosting. He's a lot funnier than uh, Anne Hathaway. I, I disagree there. Anne Hathaway's hysterical. Yeah. She's oh, really she funny. Uh, though James Franco did just land the role in a, uh, uh, just this morning. He's going to play... The Wizard of Oz in a Sam Raimi 3D uh, prequel to The Wizard of Oz called Oz the Great and the Powerful. What's your gut feeling on this one? Um, it's Sam Raimi, you know, I, yeah. I enjoy Sam Raimi. And the, the the spin on it is sort of like, you know, he's a regular guy who ends up, he's sort of Dorothy instead of Dorothy, and he has to, like, you know, battle between the two witches. <laughs> who knows? Who are the witches going to be? Like... Who are the witches going to be? Uh, I think uh, Mila Kunis is going to be one of them, rumored, and the other one we haven't heard yet. Mm. But uh, then I'm going. Yeah, that first, oh, yeah. Yeah. I like everything with Mila Kunis. I think she's. Uh, I, I think she's the greatest actor in the history of the world right now. Probably. Yeah, it doesn't even come close for me. <laughs> but yeah, the Spirit Awards. You know, uh, I mean, I'm looking at just like the best best picture there. Mm-hmm. Um, it looks like four of the five are also nominated for best picture at the Oscars. But here, these actually have a shot. Um, I, I mean, it literally could go any way, which is exciting, you know, um, as opposed to the Oscars where it's probably 90% King's Speech, 10%, uh, you know, social network, and then nothing else even has a chance. Well, I saw that that thing that you linked up on your website about movies kind of being dead, and we've got uh, just so many movies that are retreads this year, right, that are coming out this yeah. summer. Yeah, this year in 2011, 27 sequels or something like that, and that's I mean, and that's not even including movies that are based on books uh, or based on you know re- reboots, you know. Um, yeah, and like even like I just said, that that 
Sam Raimi thing. It's just the Wizard of Oz. They're like, ooh, the Wizard of Oz, let's make a prequel to it. And like, I, don't, I never wanted to know how the Wizard got there. And uh, they're, they're remaking The Bodyguard. That, that was announced this week. Finally. Good. All right. <laughs> Sa- same people? I think that I've been your bodyguard now for 30 years. Can you believe it? <laughs> and that would actually be interesting. Yeah. No. <laughs> that would be fun. Um, but they're, they're doing The Bodyguard again, which... Do we even care when the bodyguard came out the first time? No, I guess it was a nice chick flick, and you know, the girls liked it. Yeah, I mean, it was basically you know a movie built around a, a number one single. It did like four hundred million dollars. I mean, like worldwide, so people cared about it. Uh, but it, it's just an example of I literally think they had a meeting at Warner Brothers, and they're looking at like, ooh, what movies can we remake? Ooh, the bodyguard was a big hit for us. But instead, this time, instead of him being a Secret Service agent, and this time he'll be uh, uh, an Iraqi war veteran. Yeah, and now he has to deal with the Internet in dealing with celebrity, because that will make it interesting. It's just, there's like, they're so scared. It's like that article I tweeted from GQ. They're just scared to let anybody do anything original. And then the main reason is everything that Kevin Smith was talking about is because the the craziness of money that takes place now. I mean, you, you've you got to understand that when these people make a decision on a movie, if they could lose $50 million or $100 million, that's that's pretty fucking frightening. Yeah. I was I was just reading today, and, like, I was reading an article about DreamWorks Animation, and they're, they're thinking about how many movies they're going to put out in the next couple of years. And, like, Jeffrey Katzenberg just out of nowhere just goes, yeah, well, each one of these costs $130 million, and uh, it's like that number used to be, that used to be like, holy crap, you know? Right. In 1992, you know, when Terminator comes out, like it cost $100 million, and you're freaking out. Now every movie costs $100 million. Even and like an Adam out. Sandler movie, and you're like, wait, it's just Adam Sandler <laughs> and Jennifer Aniston. How does all that money get spent? We're on the beach. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Because they're getting huge salaries. And then if, it, if there's a movie without big stars, like maybe like this I Am Number 4, I don't know how much that costs, but you don't pay them as much, but then you spend a lot on your effects and your marketing. And the marketing doesn't even count in that $130 million that he was talking about. That's just a production budget. Oh, I didn't yeah, know. I just, thought altogether. No, no, no. The, the marketing, you, you take uh, 50%, I think, is like the basic number of what the movie costs. So Transformers costs uh, three, costs, let's say, $250 million. So you say they're going to spend $150, $175 million in addition just to market it. And see, here's the other thing, though. They don't understand that, to most of us, we don't really care about that. It's still going to look sucky to us. Yeah. You know? Just because it's a ridiculous yeah. ad campaign. You never leave a movie going, man, I really appreciate how much money they sunk into that. It's great. It, no. It doesn't matter to you. When you're in a movie, if it costs $5 million to make... Or whether it cost 150 million to make, there's still that point that's about 10 minutes in where you say to yourself, "I wasted my time," or "I'm glad I'm here." Yeah, and yeah, it's true. And you've got a higher tolerance. All right, in in this year, 2011, is there any movies that we are going to want to see that anybody wants to see before I even go to UG Baby who reads the stuff? Hicks for you. Is there some movie out there? Limitless. I definitely want to see. That's the movie that was advertised. The Future Drugs, where the guy gets really smart. I kind of feel like I've seen that before, though. <laughs> oh, no, it seems really good. Uh, what about for you, G-Baby? Anything you're dying to see? 
I mean, I, honestly, like you said, I have a higher tolerance. I'm excited for a lot of these sequels just because I hold out hope that maybe they're going to be good. Um, but I'll, I'll tell you what I will do. I mean, I'll, I'll give you a movie that comes out in the next, like, month that's actually really good mm -hmm. and that uh, people should see. I mean, and I talked about it when I was at Sundance. It's called Win-Win. Uh, Tom McCarthy's movie with uh, Paul Giamatti, Amy Ryan. That's an example of a small movie that didn't cost much. The stars didn't take much, but it was a really good script. And... Uh, it's really funny and really heartfelt. And, uh, I mean, those are the kind of movies I wish were always coming out, as opposed to, you know, I, I'm pretty sure Thor is going to suck and Green Lantern is going to suck in Transformers 3. But um, Higgs, for you, uh, don't, aren't we up on the screening? Aren't we supposed to go to win-win? Right, so yeah, we should be getting a screening, yeah. Because uh, I, I want to see this. Yeah. Mainly because I used to really like Paul Giamatti, but I kind of got lost on him the last couple of years. And I want to get back. I want to get back in the Paul Giamatti business. Well, hopefully this will be, you know, like the days of After Sideways, where people were really high on him. Yeah. The After Sideways time, where we were just basking <laughs> in the glow. So good. And America started wine tasting. Uh, here's <laughs> Bill in Jersey. You're on Runafest. A big ass 2097 to my buddy. Hey, buddy. hoo First, I want to just send condolences out to Fezzi. I, I love my man, and I uh, hope everything works out for him. That's the thing that's going to keep him going, Bill, his connection with you. There you go. I hope so. Mm. Hey, uh, are you sure that you guys got the right My Bodyguard remake? Uh, isn't it the one with Chris Makepeace and Matt Dillon? Because it's Moody's bike now. Why can't Matt Dillon leave that boy alone? He's Woody the Wabbit. He's Woody the Wabbit. Uh, we're talking about movies you want to see this year. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. We got G-Baby online with us. Uh, from Slash Film, and he's the guy who knows what's happening in Hollywood. Yeah. He he knows before they know. Fuck yeah. He'll write a story when someone's just pondering a, a script. Like, if they've got it in their mind, yeah. G-Baby's already got his, uh, a, a story coming out on it. He sucks it out of their brain. I didn't even know that. Mm -hmm. um, John, you're on Hey, Ronnie. Yeah. Hey, um, I run Daily Movie on Facebook, and okay. Super well, I got three I radio want... shows. G-Baby's got Slash Film. I wanted to get your guys' thoughts on J.J. Abrams and Spielberg's movie, Super 8, and also what your thoughts are on their marketing campaign as far as the uh, alternate reality game approach to marketing a movie, bringing people in kind of cryptically through, uh, like, hidden messages and, and making them go out like a scavenger hunt through the Internet. All this is new to me, so I'll throw it to G-Baby. Do you even know what he's talking about, G-Baby? Yeah, I know what he's talking about. This, I mean, Super I think you guys saw the commercial, they were edited in the Super Bowl, and what they did was, uh, well, they've been doing a lot of things on the Internet, but the latest thing is that in the last, like, two seconds of the commercial, there's a flicker of images, and if you, you, if you watch it on the TV, it was one thing. If you watch it on the computer, it was a different flicker of images, and a lot of people went through and put, you know, still frame to put together these images or clues for what the movie's about. Um, I think it's really fun. I think for a niche audience, that's a really fun thing to do. Uh, I don't think it's a real viable way to make a movie a blockbuster. That movie, I'm really excited for that movie, too. Uh, but I think just based on the fact that it sounds like an interesting concept and those guys uh, have regularly pretty much delivered great movies. Mm. But the, the, the viral thing is it's fun for a small, small amount of people. I mean, Tron Legacy did it. Um, a bunch of other movies have done it. But it's never, uh, you know... I mean, big box office. If you were making a big movie right now, Hicks, what would you do? Um, I do some sort of science fiction type, fucking mm. just blow it all. You want to have a hit? Yeah. I got two words for you, Charlie Sheen. Magic in his fingertips.
Um, here is uh, Jason. You're on with G-Baby. Uh, hey, Ronnie B. Hey. I would love to see On the Road. I, I don't know if they could ever adapt a screenplay that would fit the book just perfectly, but what a great movie that would be if they could. Well, it's actually coming out this year, right? Yeah, guys, uh, Garrett Hedlund, and, yeah. uh, isn't it? Yeah, I don't, I don't remember exactly when it's coming out. I can find out. But, yeah, that's, uh, that's, there, there's, like, a photo of it out right now and stuff. It's going to be a very small film, and I think they were also shooting a film about uh, electric Kool-Aid acid test. Oh, man. And both of them, I don't know if I need to see them as films. You know, I mean, the book is is no. fine for me. It's very rare. I think if you look down to, like, oh, I love the book and I love the film, it almost never happens. I mean, for me, probably To Kill a Mockingbird, I think, is a great film and a great book. Lolita, I love as a film. I love as a book, yeah. even though they're very different. I enjoy both of those. But it's it's a rare occurrence. Fight Club, I think, nailed it. I agree. All right, that's a good call. Um, even though it's very different, you know, in a lot of ways, yeah. it still uh, was both a good experience. You don't normally get that. No. Um, here's Jason. What do you got for G-Baby? Jason. Yes, sorry, I didn't hear the beginning of that. Um, I'm looking forward to The Avengers just because Joss Whedon is the writer on it, and he writes some pretty good stuff. You know anything about this, well, G-Baby? The Avengers? Yeah, The Avengers, the Avengers is uh, it's not coming out until next summer. It's coming out in 2012. Um, but that, that's, that's, that one is probably the movie we are like most you know anticipating slash nervous about because it's going to be the first time where you know like eight superheroes are on the screen at the same time. I, who knows? It could be awesome. It could be a huge disaster. But Joss Whedon is, was a great choice. There's no way that it can be good. I can't see it. And I'm not a huge fan of Joss Whedon either. I don't know why everyone loses their shit over him. What all has he done? He's Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Angel, and Firefly. And fu- yeah. I don't watch any of them. Firefly is like this gigantic like cult hit, and I tried watching it. It was just died terrible. You loved it, right, G-Baby? I'm a big fan of Firefly and the movie Serenity, yeah. For is sure. there anything that you'll even say? Is there anyone out there that you hate, that you're not a fan of, that you're like, I hate this filmmaker or I hate this writer? Uh, um, I'm sure there are. I mean, they're just, I, I sort of forget about it until their movies come out, and then I'm like, oh, man, that guy sucks. But, yeah, yeah I, I mean, there's nobody that, like, I have a... Uh, a bullseye on my wall or anything like that. You know, I'll give anybody a shot, but most of the time, there are guys that definitely disappoint. You're a good man, Jermaine. You're a very good man. Most people aren't. <laughs> uh, here's Steven Yarmanifes. Hey, guys. I'm a huge fan of G-Baby, and I'm really excited for Sucker Punch coming out the end of this month. Any updates on that, or does it still look weird? Uh, yeah, well, Sucker Punch, um, I, I, I don't like, I saw an early test screening of it a couple months back, and I was one of the first people to see it. And it wasn't very good at the time. Uh, that was also a few months ago. Uh, so there's a chance that he's fixed it. Uh, it visually, you're not going to be uh, disappointed. It was like an amazing-looking movie, and the action was really cool. But like the story lengths at the time were really, really disappointing and uh, almost nonsensical. So, I mean, hopefully he fixed it up, but uh, I'm not really sure. Uh, here's Sal. You're on with G-Baby from Slash Film. Yeah, Ron, um, how you guys doing? I just wanted to mention uh, a couple of books that were really great movies. One was One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, and the other one was The Clockwork Orange. And I'd probably throw in The Hobbit there also. Thanks. Well, I never, yeah, The Hobbit didn't make it to a movie yet. 
Uh, but I'll, I'll totally agree with you on the other two. Yeah. Yeah, there are definitely exceptions uh, to the uh, rule. Um, Cheyenne, you're on my face. Yeah, I just I seen the previews to that Cowboys and Aliens during the Super Bowl, wondering what he thought about that. Gee, baby, do you have any good feelings about this Cowboys and Aliens? Yeah, I mean, I think Favreau, I mean, Iron Man 2 aside, I think Favreau has got like a, a pretty cool passion for these kind of movies and the understanding of how to make it good. Uh, the fact that Harrison Ford signed on to do it, it was kind of encouraging just because then, you know, he's not, he, he's done a couple bad movies as of, you know, the last 10 years, but, uh, to get back into that sci-fi genre, it must have been something cool with him. I think it's gonna be fun. Um, I'm not expecting anything too extraordinary, but I think it'll deliver. Alright, um, Paul, Los Angeles, California, home of the doors. Hold on, guys. Hey, you baby, you hear anything about the uh, comeback of the Star Blazers? The guys behind True Grid, they're throwing a bunch of money at it. Have you heard of anything about that? Uh, Paul, I couldn't understand what you said. Star man. Blazers was the film. Have you heard about it? Uh, no, no. You know what? It, it does ring a bell, but I don't have anything real to say about it. Star Blazers, sorry. Are you sure? <laughs> now, you give me 10 minutes, I can find some info, but I'm uh, not on the radio. Oh, no. Uh... Here's Anthony in Chicago. You're on with G-Baby. Hey, what's going on, Ronnie? Uh, I wanted to know what he thought about Kevin Smith's new horror movie coming out, Red State. Um, well, go ahead and handle that, G-Baby. Yeah, it's, look, we talked about it a bunch on the air already. I mean, it's not a horror movie. Um, I saw it at Sundance. Uh, it's a really interesting sort of uh, thriller, uh, a real departure from Smith. I don't know if I'd pay seventy dollars to see it on his uh, pretty on his little tour, but when it comes out in October, uh, I, I check it out because it's definitely an interesting little movie. Um, how do you think it's going to do? You think it'll do okay? No, I don't think it's going to do very well. Mm. Um, he's not going to throw any. I mean, as much as he he's one hundred percent right about the marketing of it. Uh, being, you know, a totally a waste of money, but it also is important into getting people, you know, uh, to understand the movie and to excited about the movie. And I think most of his fans who are, who want to see it will go to see it at his sort of road show. I think that's going to be pretty successful. I don't think a theatrical run is going to be as successful. Um, it's not going to bomb because by the time it comes out, the movie will have made back its money and more. But do you think Hollywood will kind of want to shut him down a little bit to keep this kind of thing from happening? No, I don't think they care. I think he's a blip on the radar. I think they're to let him do his own thing. They're not. I don't think there's going to be much Kevin Smith backlash. All right, good. Uh, let's go over here to um, let's try Terry in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Terry, go ahead. You're on with G, baby. Yeah. Um... I just saw Donnie Darko last night. Loved it. I have no idea why. Sorry to go backwards with the films, but what the hell did I see and why did I like it? But you saw Donnie Darko. Why don't Why won't you just sit there and enjoy the experience that you got out of it? Come on. Because I have no idea why I loved it. Then that's a that's a very cool thing. That that with a film. Hicks says that with his girlfriend. He no, loves her. No. He can't come <laughs> up with a single reason why. Oh, she's a wonderful human being. And I well, give me a, a reason. She's beautiful, she's smart, she's cool, she's the best. Give me a specific reason that everybody what? wouldn't say about their chick. What? I already gave specific examples. No, if you ask everybody about their chicks, they say the same exact thing. Really? Yeah. What's the one thing that she does for you, specifically? Specifically? Yeah. She's my best friend, and she's the fucking first woman I love. Gee, baby, he doesn't even know why he loves. See, this is the thing when you love something, right? 
I think I think maybe it's because she lets him get drunk and high every day and still loves him. I think maybe that's a good reason. Well, then he better love me, too, because I do the same exact thing for him. <laughs> I have the same relationship. I think he does. Yeah. Um, let's go over here to... Let's try Blake in Chicago. Blake, go ahead, buddy. Blake. Lost you. Brandon, Niagara Falls. Hey, all right. I got a uh, great movie and a great book, uh, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Did you like the uh, movie a lot, uh, G-Baby? Yeah, I like the movie. Uh, the book is definitely better, but, I mean, it's almost it's almost impossible to adapt that, and I think Gilliam did as as good a job as, you know, as he could have. I mean, just to get the visual sense of what, uh, you know, Thompson was going for, um, Johnny Depp casting that role, you couldn't go wrong. It's but, not a perfect adaptation, but it's pretty decent. I don't know if you could have enjoyed the movie if you never read the book, though. I think if you were a guy who didn't read the book, you were looking at this movie going, what the hell are they talking you about? You got to know who fucking to uh, Hunter is. I mean, yeah. It, otherwise, it's like, why am I watching this? I I would think. See, I think that happens a lot of times that, just like you said, you aim directly at the fans of something. Yeah. Then you can miss everybody else. Um, I think it's like you said to that guy with Donnie Darko. Sometimes there is sort of an enjoyment in not exactly knowing what you just watched, but you liked it. Mm -hmm. I think that could have helped for a little bit. Um. Chris, Strong Island. Hey, what's up, Ronnie? Yeah. Uh, I read on the internet, uh, Keanu Reeves did an interview over in uh, Europe or something like that, and he said that uh, the two brothers wrote Matrix 4 and 5. Do you hear anything about that, G-Baby? Yeah, I heard the same rumors you did. I don't think that's true. It's weird. Like, when, I, when I'm working on Slash Film, you get a lot of rumors in, and a lot of them come from European press conferences, which just sort of sounds like you sort of realize sometimes that it's bullshit. Um, it, it, it's possible that they did, and you never know. Uh, but they, they have a couple movies coming out first, and he's doing a, a, a sort of samurai movie now, um, Reeves. So even if that is true, you're not looking until 2013, 2014. And I, don't, I don't think that there's going to be a huge market. When it falls off like that, it falls off. That, those last two movies were just so horrendous. Why would anyone want to watch that shit again? Those, those last two Matrix movies were just so bad. And everyone gave but, them the first time, but I don't think people showed up for the third. No. no but everybody, you know, it's like we were saying, uh, Warner Brothers would probably go back, rather go back to the well for Matrix 4 than give the Wachowski their shot at something new and original like the first Matrix again. And just kind of reboot, as they say? Reboot? Yeah, almost. Yeah. Um, Joe, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey. Um, I was wondering if anybody has thought of making a movie out of, like, the Jimi Hendrix experience or something. It's all they've ever but, talked about for 30 years. And I don't think that there's, you know, would these things just finally break through? But how many years have they talked about the Janis Joplin movie? There's got to <laughs> be, like, 13 different women I've seen attached to it over the years. Yeah. I think there's at least two Jimi Hendrix movies that are, like, out there in development. But, like, there's a lot of problems with rights and stuff. So, I mean, his family wanting to make sure things right. So you never know. And then you go, well, there's no market for it. But then look at Ray, you know. And there, I mean, it wasn't exactly like there was a lot of Ray Charles fans when that movie came out. And no. they weren't clamoring for it. Um, Alec in Houston, you're on my face. Hey, what's up, Ron? I was, uh, I was calling to say y'all were talking about books and movies. Um, 
the Born Identity. The movies were totally different than what the book said, but the movies were decent. But I think if they followed the book, it would have made a lot better movies. I never read any of the books. I heard there's like 23 or something Damn. crazy, and they're going to go on with the series without the stars. Is that right, G-Baby? Yeah, there's actually news on that that broke uh, last night. Uh, yeah, The fourth movie is currently in pre-production. The guy who wrote the first three, Tony Gilroy, he also did Michael Clayton and Duplicity. He's directing and writing this new one. Uh, yeah, Matt Damon will not be back. So it's going to be called The Bourne Legacy without Jason Bourne. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're trying to cast somebody new, and they're looking at, there's a huge list of guys. I mean, uh, Jake Gyllenhaal, Toby Maguire, Garrett Hedlund, uh, a bunch of guys that they're looking at right now. I'm sure we'll know who's going to be cast as not Jason Bourne in the next, like, two weeks. Uh, but that's coming out next summer. I think. So it's not him at all. It, no. It's not Bourne, it, but it's still the Bourne series. It's not Jason Bourne, but the movie's called The Bourne Legacy. I don't know how it's going to work. Uh, I know in The Bourne Legacy, the book, Jason Bourne is in it, because I was researching this last night. But, yeah, I don't know how it's going to work. But I think it's sort of like, uh, I think they're calling it like, you know, maybe like a, a spinoff where it's in the same world. Jason Bourne exists in the movie. He just doesn't appear in the movie. Weird. Uh, Tony, you're on Fez. Yeah, have you guys uh, seen the movie called The Proposition? Yeah. What did you think of that movie? I thought it was terrific. It was a couple yeah, of years maybe. ago, right? The Australian kind of Western? Yeah, yeah it was like 2005, I think. That was great, yeah. Made, by, well, one of your all-time favorites. Nick Cave. Nick Cave wrote that film. Sick. And I remember when that, the year that film came up when we were doing our summaries. That was my number one film. And then we had Nick Cave come in and do the show one day in his flip-flops and shorts. And I'm like, uh, hey, I love the film. And he was like this, did you? Great. Glad we could talk about it, Nick. Come on, Nick. Jesus. Right. Nick Cave. I would just like to spend the day being Nick Cave. Um, Travis, you're on a fez. Travis, you, you're on the run of fez show. Hey, Ron, how's it going? Yeah, there's got to be some kind of lag time with that line seven. Everything's fucking up. The computers are fucking up. My computer's fucking up. My phone. Something is happening to the planet Earth, and I think the Mayans are behind it. Oh, no. Rain can't be helping either. I I thought that we were going to look into this, and this was going to be Zito's thing of get us some working computers. Yeah, these computers are fucked. Is Zito on it? I hope so. And when Zito's on it, is that one of those things like I can just put it out of my mind? It's all taken care of. I, I would hope so. Oh, I, I'm not. I'm not feeling like you're strongly behind it. Uh, let's go. What do you got, Travis? I was just uh, thinking, like the uh, like the with the Shining. I, I uh, read the book, and then after I seen the movie, and I totally, totally did not agree with what Kubrick uh, uh, did with the movie. Uh, but the movie, like, you should have followed the book a lot better. Well, yeah, he I didn't read the book myself, but I know that he went in a totally different way with it. But I don't know whether you saw this. I think, I can't remember which magazine did it, but there was some kind of roundtable, G-Baby. And Robert Duvall said that Stanley Kubrick, he thought, was an enemy of the actor. And all the actors did their worst work. In one of his films. I was cracking up watching this. And I immediately sent it off 
of course, to the redhead. I'm like, Dave, you need to see this and read over it and get angry. Uh, G-Baby, you agree with that, though? Uh, I don't think I don't agree with that statement. I think I think that was with the Hollywood Reporter. I think uh, Roundtable. I think Duvall said that. Uh, but I think you know a lot of those great directors, uh, Kubrick and Hitchcock, were such auteurs that. But I think it was Hitchcock who said that like you know actors are cattle, and he just doesn't care. Like he just he's molding them to his vision. You know, um, I think some actors have particularly great work in a lot of Kubrick movies. You know, I, I, I'm Kubrick's probably one of my favorite directors, and. Um, but, you know, actors are a tool of the director in the filmmaking. That's a, by definition. So it depends on, how, you know, how much you want, how much credit you want to give them. Mm. I think they would be better off to follow some of these scripts, though, and stop fucking improvising on the thing. They look nutty, hefty movies now. I swear to God, action films, I can no longer follow them. I have no idea what happens when there's pirates in the Caribbean. No, th- that's a fucking joke. That, there's not any good action movies anymore. It's a fucking few and far between. But that's all scripts, I'll tell you right now. Like, they, they very rarely let people improvise when you're spending $250 million on a movie. It's just really bad writing. People, like, literally, I went to see that I Am Number 4 just because I was bored. And I was like, how did they even let this go? It was based on a book, which I'm sure the book made sense. But the movie makes no sense. Every scene, I had three questions of, like, how they got to here. Like, I thought, you know, in writing the movie, if somebody would read it and be like, well, this doesn't make sense. But they, they, they just skipped that whole, like, process. And it just comes out like a piece of crap. It's unbelievable. <laughs> it's so funny. Uh, here's Dennis in Los Angeles showing with G-Baby from Slash Film. Yeah, hi. Uh, you were just talking about the Bourne uh, legacy. I live out here in Los Angeles, and the inside track is is that Damon will be back. He'll be back in the fifth, but they're giving it a rest to expand out the franchise. Because it just doesn't make sense for Damon to uh, to disappear out of the uh the whole series. Well, I'm going to take a rest then until he comes back. I need a little break for myself. Yeah, really. Uh, here's Phil in New Orleans. Here manifest. Hey, uh, Ronnie B. I was going to call in and uh, throw this movie in the pot and see if y'all seen it. It it uh it was it was a book and they made it into a movie with uh, Paul Giovanni. It just came out. It's called Barney's Version. It's it's fucking awesome. It's an awesome movie. I recommend it to anybody. I'll I check with. I'll, let me check with G Baby. Have you seen this thing? I have it. It's actually up for a couple of Independent Spirit Awards, and I think it won at the Golden Globes. I think Giamatti won or something like that. I heard nothing but good things, but it's one of the few that flip. Uh, I did not get to see it, but I heard it was really awesome. It is. And this got released almost nowhere, right? Yeah, small little release. It actually did pretty well after the Golden Globes, and you can still find it in theaters now. It's playing, you know, maybe not. At the AMC, but, you know, maybe at the second-round theater. You can find Barney's version out right now. Santiago in Texas, you're on Runa Fez. Uh, how you doing, Ron? I wanted to ask uh, Jermaine what he thought about Beautiful and uh, how come Javier Bardem's not considered for best actor. Well, he is. He is considered. I mean, I, I, know he's con- I know he's considered, but does he have a shot? Is he, I, mean, I, I think it's probably because it's in the wrong language, right, G-Baby? Um, I don't think that has anything to do with it. I think just it's a little a more of a little scene movie. Again, I, it's one I have a disc of here and still haven't watched, and I probably should have. Um, but it, it, and the reason why he doesn't have a shot is, A, it's a smaller movie. B, as we were talking about, it's that marketing machine. Colin Firth sort of got on the train and rolled with it, and uh, Bardem, is, it, the nomination is his award. And he won a couple years ago, and blah, 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 yeah. and they like to spread it around. Brian. Panic in Detroit, you're on Renafez. 
I want to ask G Baby if uh, he's seen Cedar Rapids and what he's thought of if he has. Yeah, uh, I saw Cedar Rapids. Uh, you know, it's the uh, Ed Helms, uh, John C. Riley comedy, and it's okay. It's like you know, it's a serviceable comedy. You'd be happy paying eight bucks for it. You probably wouldn't be happy paying, you know, forty bucks for your whole family to go see it. Uh, it, it you know, you're, there's a couple laughs. There's a couple of really great references. And I sort of like the best way to describe. I sort of see it as almost a spinoff to Boogie Nights, as in if John C. Riley's character in Boogie Nights got into insurance later in life, this is the movie. Um, That's which makes it sound better than it is, but John T. Riley is great in it, and the movie around him is just okay. I, I I will agree with everything you said, although I didn't make the Boogie Nights connection. But it was one of those things, and it's really hard to make a comedy. Like you're like, man, this could almost be great. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like, uh, I think they panicked at the thought of making it a little film, and then kind of made it into farce. But I also don't think that. We have that kind of small-town America anymore where someone doesn't recognize a prostitute when they see one or would get confused between crack and pot. Oh. I mean, you've got the Internet. You've got cable. Yeah. You're not that out of it if you live in the sticks these days. And I think Ed Helms is, is great as a supporting character in The Office and The Hangover. I don't know if he can hold the movie yet. You know, he's sort of still playing that meek character that he plays on all the other movies and uh i think that's what hurt the movie a little bit too i heard that the uh that the hangover 2 came out at the trailer the trailer once yeah i haven't seen it have you yeah. seen the trailer yet g baby yeah yeah it, it, it's funny it's a real real small tease you don't really see much about it i mean it's like four shots one line of dialogue it's like a minute and a half uh, I mean, that movie is a slam dunk, if it's good or bad, it doesn't matter. It's going to make, you know, $400 million. Yeah, I like when they go, don't give away the jokes, though. They will. They will. Not in this trailer, but they will. I, I would avoid any uh, subsequent trailers. from. It's very difficult to avoid it now. You never know when a pop-up's going to hit you. Yeah. And, and I literally, if I go to see a film now, I sometimes don't want to wait in the lobby until the fucking trailers are over. Oh, nice. Because they give everything away. Yeah, it's... it's You're ruined. Uh, Ben, you're yeah, on so, Fez. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, on, the la on the final Harry Potter, I'd heard there were reshoots to the epilogue, and I was wondering if you baby had anything on the finale. Um, yeah, I think there were probably reshoots, but there probably wasn't for any bad reason. Uh, I heard that, too. They're probably, they have so much money, and there's so much at stake with that movie, They just and they have the time to go in and make sure everything's perfect. Um, I don't think anybody's seen it yet. Um, but I think I have the utmost faith in that movie. I mean, the first half was great, and the second half of the book is just phenomenal, so I don't see why the movie wouldn't be. Do you know if they have any plans to do the, the other ones in 3D, since I guess this one's going to be coming out in 3D for the first time? Dude, it's coming out in I... 4D. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, they're re-releasing, re I think, all of them in 3D on DVD. Uh, I would not be surprised if down the road they get a theatrical re-release, but that's not in the cards for any time soon. Cool. Thanks, man. You're great. Yeah, he is great, isn't he? Now, G-Baby, if people want to follow you on Twitter, how do they do it? Uh, yeah, it's my full name, uh, Jermaine Lucier. That's G-E-R-M-A-I-N-L-U-S-S-I-E-R. -S -S -E mm -hmm. And if you didn't get that, I'm one of the 202 friends. Now, I am doing everything I can do now to get a snapshot 
of T-Baby since they don't exist. I got the one of Nikki Fink. Everyone says it's not her. I know for a fact it is. See, G-Baby will not leave his apartment. He only works off the Internet <laughs> and the phones. And no one has really seen what he's looked like in years. The man of mystery. Yeah. It's tough. It's true. I'm sure if you Google my name, it's impossible to find every single little bit of information about me. Isn't that? It's so weird what a mystery you are, and yet you're the most powerful man in Hollywood right now. I'm trying. I'm four blocks away from the Oscars. I just can't get much closer than that. Why don't you run over and try to, like, have a sign like the Today Show and just like, hey, yeah, soy baby. Sure. Soy bomb would be the way to go. <laughs> That's original. Mm. Uh, yeah. Classic. Ooh, I'm not classic. Oh, good. It's classic. <laughs> uh, hold on. There. I'm going to take one more question. I'm going to look over these. Because, by the way, G-Baby, I don't know whether you know this. You light up the phones. People are very, con- I- you know, we hear, oh, I'm sick of movies. But when we start to talk about movies, everyone's always curious. Uh, cool, man. I, I love talking to everybody. Uh, uh, let's go to Chris in Brooklyn. You're going to be the last caller for the G-Baby segment. All right, great. Listen, I want to know if you uh, have heard anything about the new Superman reboot. Uh, yeah, I, got, I heard a couple things. Uh, well, obviously, we have uh, Superman's in cast. He's this guy named Henry Cable. He was on, like, the uh, the Tudors. Uh, he was on the cover of Entertainment Weekly this week, last week, I don't remember. Um, and... Um, there's, I don't really know much about the story. Nobody really does. Um, but we think that there's going to be some sort of, you know, female, uh, you know, villain. Um, I don't know. There's not much about there about it. Um, but production will start, I think, this summer for our next summer release. And uh, no Riddler, unfortunately. So oh, that won't be in there. But, um, but you mean there won't be a Riddler in a Superman movie? No. Not this time, sorry. Well, I suppose that's a good thing. But I just hope there's no Lex Luthor and uh, Lois Lane. Those, those characters have been so overused in the uh, kind of Superman mythos. What would you do, well, Chris? What would I do? Yeah, what would you do with the movie if you were making it? Uh, I would do uh, Brainiac and the uh, Bottled City of Candor, something something real that harkens back to the classic uh, Superman of uh, you know the 50s and the 60s. Yeah, but do you they, think that the kids today want to see a Bottled City? Won't that seem okay. weird? I, I, I think I think it could be pulled off. I think with uh, you know special effects and uh, the right screenwriter and Zack Snyder's uh, proven that he can handle superhero properties and mm. and uh, do them justice. I mean, I, I like to watch well, them quite a bit. So I'm, I'm, I'm you know a lot more about yeah, go for me, dude. You know a lot more Superman than me. But I, I will tell you this: what the big twist on this movie? There's not not the big twist. The reason this movie got made is that they figured out quote unquote a way to make Superman realistic in a modern world. So I don't yeah, think I don't know, realistic. I, I was gonna say I don't know if Superman really works in a modern world. I don't think he does either. I said that to Fez. I go, I think you got to set that back in the 30s and 40s because it's it's kind of an innocent story. It's it doesn't seem like it could work out today. Right, and that's the reason that they've had trouble with the last movie. And but the only reason they're making this movie is because they figured out some way to make him realistic. I think Chris is going to be upset. I think Lois Lane is definitely going to be in the movie. Uh, I'm not sure about Lex Luthor. It might be General Zod. But let me tell uh, you something. Um, if you were to tell me that uh, Pepper Hicks took off his glasses and started flying around, I would know it was him. You can't. That's even, not me. Even if he was wearing his blue blockers, I'd know it was him. <laughs> the ponytail give him away. Yes, that's a big part of it. And the cursing. Nonstop. Wait, who are you? New York. 
Don't worry about it. Excuse me, who are you? What? You, you what? A, you don't like these glasses? I don't know who you are right now. Uh, I was in here with my friend Chris, and now there's a person with... Oh, there you are. Hey, Ron. Hey, dude. How's it going? This fucking totally freaked me out. Some guy with glasses was sitting in your seat. What? Yeah, I couldn't believe it. I was just... What the fuck? It just happened again. Hey, man. This is so <laughs> weird. What have you done with my friend? By the way, I thought he was—I uh, thought he was my best friend until I heard that his chick is. I got. All right, G baby. All right. I'm gonna Thanks, see, buddy. Uh, I'm going to see yeah, you at the, the movies. Uh, the, yeah, enjoy the show this weekend. All right. Bye. Bye. What a nice guy, huh? Oh, G baby's the best. Rock and slash film hard. <sighs> He's rocking the suburbs like Quiet Riot used to do. And still could do if they got a new singer. Told some auditions. Let's get an Asian guy in there. You think what I'm thinking? Asian quiet, right? <laughs> Rest of the band to be Asian too, or we'll just throw an Asian guy in front. Maybe. Or midgets. It's up to them. All right. I'd like to start a band called Asians and Midgets Rolling Stones, where <laughs> some of them are Asians and some of them are midgets, and you've got to figure out the difference. By just listening? No, by throwing darts. Let's go. Do you know that um, Asians are um, kind of short themselves? Mm -hmm. And they said this, like, technically, genetically. I'm going to lay a little fucking science on you. All right. The, there's only one difference between an Asian and a uh, dwarf, and that's cock size. And the Asians lose that. To dwarves. What a tortured life. For who? I guess the Asians. Dwarves having a good time. Fuck it. They got plenty of film work coming their way. Or reality shows. Mm. There's Oh, you know Ricky uh, Gervais is going to do one with a dwarf. Oh, no. Oh. Yeah, he's got a whole dwarf thing. I, I forget the name of it. Somebody will know it. It's some play on words like, you know, life is short or some shit. Maybe it's life is short. And it's the same dwarf that's been in a lot of movies, normally playing the dwarf. And he played a dwarf on Gervais's uh, show, Extras. Yeah. Life's too short. Life's too short, yeah. There we go. And I guess they're going to oh, send... Oh, Warwick Davis. Yeah, they're going to send him to different fucking countries and see how he gets along with stuff and then make fun of him. <laughs> really? Again? Yeah, it works. Uh, Tim, what can I do for you, buddy? Hey, Ronnie, big. You sound like a buck 380. I am a buck 380 today. Absolutely. I'm very sorry. Uh, my condolences out to Fezzi's family, too. He's very nice, um, Yes. Real quick. Um, I have a 17-month-old son, and I had to go to the doctor today, and he's just been a terror all day. I wanted to know, get your opinion, and anybody else's opinion, on what age is it appropriate to start, you know, physically disciplining children if, you got, if, if they don't listen what age is it supposed to start giving spankings? You know, forget what I think. I'm telling you now, if someone sees you or hears about you hitting a 17-month-old, they're going to take them away from you. That's where we are in the world right now. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I thought of that, too. Yeah. It's, just that, it, it's just that he just doesn't listen to anything. He's at the stage where he's opening. He can turn the knobs now and open up doors. He's always, he's always falling off the toilet. Um, There's only the only thing you can do to discipline children this day is give them bags of candy, 
uh, video games, and wrestling figures. That's all you can do. I hope that works. As we speak, I'm at Subway, and I'm, and I'm feeding them cookies and cinnamon pretzels. Yeah, that's all you can do. You're doing the right thing. That's the way to discipline. A lot of food until they crank up high and then pass out. Thanks a lot, Ronnie. All right, take care of yourself. All right, bye. Yeah, I think if someone found out that you spanked a 17-month-old now, or a 17-year-old, or a 4-year-old, they're throwing that on you like you like it was Planet of the Apes. Yeah, child services will bust up. They would shit. come after you. They're on horsebacks, apes on horsebacks, yeah. and they're thrown in net, and they pull you back, and then they find out you can speak. They're really going to go ape shit. Then they have to deal with that doctor. Come on. And then they might, you might find like a doll baby that says "Mama," and that proves that at one point you ran the world. There's that cave you went up in. Yeah. Nick Cave, beach. going all, all the way around. Now it's yeah. Nick Cave. Right, right hand. Yeah, I wrote it. Okay, Nick. He was trying to fucking talk to you about it. Expound on that there. I wonder why I don't even tell that to people. I should just say, no, expound on it. (laughs) You're Australian. Uh, Nate, you're on my face. You said PA? Yeah. Hey, uh, yeah, I got a a 10-month-old who crawls around and grabs that electrical stuff, so, you know, like an outlet. To smack his hand, you should see the look on his face. You know, 99% of the time, blowing on his stomach and doing goochie goo, and you, you smack his hand when he grabs something. But hey, it works. I know you say it works, but if they see you doing it, that'll be well, the end of no, it. No, I'm, I'm not going to be doing that in front of. Uh, well, I guess I would if he was grabbing something he shouldn't in public. But, but what happens when but, he gets old enough to rat? Uh, then you hit him harder. See, what happens is they come to your house because he says something, and they take you away, and you're never seen again. I also live in Lancaster, and so it's all Amish people out here. They don't care about beating people. All right. So. Walk that line, dude. Here's our friend Heather in Tampa. Hey, uh, thoughts and prayers for um, Fezzi and his family. Thank you. And um, we recently had a story in the area of a, a parent who was disciplining his child with a taser. What do you think about that? Um, again, there, it isn't even a matter what I think. That those parents are dead people from that point on. Yeah, you might as well be branding a kid. But a taser, of course, is really insane. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty mad. You got to be pretty fucked up to think to yourself, "I'm going to taser this kid." The hell, the kid do? Well, yeah, I mean, the only person you're supposed to taser is like a 300 pound fucking dust head. You know that you can't <laughs> take down. They got that super dust strength. Or a streaker. I actually have a taser myself, and um. It's one that, that shoots the cartridge, you know? Mm-hmm. Nice. And I, I, actually, I was using it as a flashlight in my car the other night. That's crazy. <laughs> it has a little light on it. Yeah. And I accidentally shot it off in the car, and it busted my windshield. I mean, other than defending yourself, the only time you should use a taser is for sex games. You there know, you go. Having a little That's fun. Hot. Yeah, who are you bothering, really? <laughs> All right, love you guys. All right. I always like to say whatever happens w- between at least one consenting adult. I'm not even sure the other adult needs the consent. Really? Yeah. I mean, you know, sex is going on. You know, well, if they don't like it. Mm. Well, then there's always those uh, words. You have, this, like, those words. Safe that words? Yeah, you have, like, a safe word. Okay. What happens if they say it? No. I don't listen to women. Allison. Hey, how you guys doing today? Well, it's so funny to be seeing you after so long, girl. 
I know. How's it going? You know, my heart's breaking for Ronnie, for, for uh, Fez. Mm. Well, that's sweet of you. Yeah, but listen, I, you know, I wanted to talk about Louis C.K. You ever see his take on hitting the kids? What does Louis say? That they're all uh, lizards from outer space? Okay, yeah, right. He is so smart when it comes to things. He says, yeah. the only people in the world you're allowed to hit are your children. If you were to do what you did to your children, the people that look up to you the most in the world, who worship the ground that you walk on, you beat them, you hit them. If you did it to anybody else, you'd go to jail. And he does a whole entire stand-up routine about the fact that if you hit anybody else, you would go to jail, but it's okay to do to your own kids. And even now, that's not okay anymore. I mean, it's uh, you're not going to get away with it. You're not going to get away with it, but we still see it. It's oh, still yeah. Happens. Well, I'm still I mean, going to smoke in the park, so who's to say? You know, who, <laughs> who pays attention to every uh, law? It's true, but, you know, I love Louie, and he's right. You shouldn't do it. You'd get arrested if you did it to an adult. Why do it to your own kids who love you? Sometimes uh, I do it to discipline Hicks. Like, I'll just slap his hand real hard. Oh, or... yeah, but doesn't he like that? Isn't that? Doesn't he do it to get that? He says he can't feel things unless I do. He goes, yeah, exactly. you can't feel anything but pain. No, that's basically it. And yeah. you said that's better than the numb. Exactly. Mm. Any attention is better than no attention. It's true. Yeah. Maybe, All may... right, have a good day, guys. Maybe you should just say to your kids... You hold up a pair of pliers and go, do you want me to pull your front teeth out? They're coming out anyway. I'm going to extract a baby tooth. And no one's going to believe you that I pulled it out like that. This is our little experiment. Did your dad hit you? Um, I think, yeah, he's, he's, he's slapping me around a little bit. When I was younger, yeah. not, not that fucking shit. Not stops. when you were hoping for it. Like, come on, dude, let's fucking do this again. <laughs> Huh? You're not so fucking tough now, are you? Let's go. If you ever put a hand on my mom again, it's fucking on, buddy. Ping, pow, boom, you go down like a fucking thud of bricks. Yeah. Even at his worst, that fucking scary old man. Even though he wasn't old, I guess. But he was just a scary dude, even when he was all fucked up. How old was your dad when he died? 51, I think. 52. And how old were you? I was 20. Yeah, you didn't stand a chance against him. Yeah, he, he was fucking... He's an animal. Was he a native uh, New Yorker? Yeah. Grew up in Queensbridge. No, so he went far in life. He fucking went across the yeah, highway. Yeah. Gave it there. Went right past the Queensborough Bridge to Astoria. Uh, Queensbridge, isn't that where they say rap started? Uh, well, yeah, it's, that's one of the places. The Bronx and Queensbridge. That's what it's contested or whatever. Yeah. About which one actually start, started rap. And Nas is from there. It's good stuff. And your dad was fucking just sitting over there mm -hmm. fucking DJing. Yeah. What was he, the only white guy in, in Queensbridge? <laughs> Basically. <laughs> I think they, they were like the last white family. The Stanleys were the last white family in Queensbridge to fucking move out. But they were also the first. <laughs> <laughs> they got there late and went, this neighborhood, not so nice. What's going on here? Huge project. I was telling Fez that those things are so close to his house, he doesn't even realize it. Yeah. He thinks there's a wall, but there isn't. Mm -mm, no. And then, like, right next to them are the Astoria projects. There's just a shitload of projects over there from yeah. every fucking angle. Well, that's why it's so hip. <laughs> uh, we're going to break here and uh, be back in a well, in a few moments uh, with the Run and Fest show after the jump.
Admit it, it didn't jump on me as much as the first one. Too ballady, maybe. I don't know. Don't but get me wrong. I like Philly Blue-Eyed Soul, but I don't know if those guys got it. <laughs> I don't know if they are bringing it. No. They uh, they had to hit with horse outside. I don't know what kind of direction they went here. And what kind of weird name is Rosane? like that Irish broad mm. name. Uh, well, at least I have one good thing happening for me tonight. Uh, Family Fun Night is back on where I can watch people play giant Hasbro games yeah. in real life with Todd Newton. I forget. It's like an 8, 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock. Hicks, show to try to get on there with your family. Uh, yeah, there's there's no family there. I'd just be one person on the show. Hmm. No. I think they like, that they would let uh, you and your chick and two drinking buddies all to go in there together. <laughs> all right. I'll, fuck, I'll dominate. I'll fuck shit up in Battleship. People don't know this about uh, my good pal, Chris Stanley, a.k.a. Pepper Hicks. But he was 25 years old. Uh was the first time that he had a friend who didn't have a mohawk. This is how weird his life has been. Yeah. He's always had a mohawk, buddy. It's always, it gets weird sometimes, yeah. But well, what do you do? You spray paint? Yeah, keep why not? that hard? Throw up some graffiti. Mm. Can't hurt. I live right by a big graffiti spot. Are you going back to the bridge again, like Always. Always. Uh, by it's the way, uh, we got, uh, I want to make sure that you hear this, and it's slapped across your face, but okay. um, T-Tom said, the bridge is a myth. The Bronx was the first with hip-hop. I think the project was deemed a national landmark yeah. or pending. No shit. Yeah, it's the biggest uh, housing project in America or something like that. And you, on the other hand... Um, are still trying to push to Queensbridge. Q Burrow goes back and forth with the Bronx. Come on. It's good stuff. It's incredibly, there's crack bust there all the time. Just not stop. 
Is that right? Yeah, there's just like a huge crack. Like, you know, 40 people arrested in the Queensbridge housing projects mm-hmm. and a huge crack sting. Pretty I'm, common. I'm thinking that the perfect thing to go along with this TV show, Family Fun Night, is search, search, hurry up and search as a one-two punch. Mm. Where the kids would love to search online for prizes. That'd be great. Mm. That's fun for the whole family. What's the name of the fucking show? Family Fun Night. I even know that. Oh. I didn't know that. Play some Sorry, I guess. You ever come up with an idea for any kind of game show in the back of your head? You ever think to yourself, I could have a game show? You could do something called Find Your Real Dad, where some fucking abandoned kid is sitting there, and there's three different fathers. He has to look at himself in the mirror, look them over. I kind of think that's my nose. Who do you think it is, (laughs) Timmy? Come on! And they could do the thing, like, to tell the truth at the end, where you're, like, standing up and down, like, oh, I'm your real dad. Uh, Jimmy, the reason why I left is I really didn't want the responsibility. He could ask questions. What did, um, let's go over to father number two. What did you think of, uh, my mom? All I remember is great ass. That's it. It's the ass. Can't think of a lot of the personality, but the ass was amazing. Hmm. So then when he's picking, my mom kind of has a flat ass, so I know it's not number two. He's faking it. All right, Mark Zito, you're waving over there. Do you have an idea for a game show? I do actually have an idea for a game show. Something that's been kicking around in my head since I was in high school. And I've even I've even called the network with this idea. What time. network did you call? I called the Spice Channel, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, the game the game is called Head Games. Head Games. Head Games. All right. All right. And so here's how it works. I see it kind of like like sex roller derby. So you have you have teams of ten people and there's like leagues. Okay. And there's, oh, there's so there could even be fifty people. So this isn't even so much a game; it's a sport. Yeah, I kind of see it as like a sport. Okay. The way it would work out. So okay. you're inventing a new league. Yes. Oh. All right. Yeah, but yeah. So so there's teams of ten, and uh, five guys and five girls on each team. Team like what we call them New York and Philly right now. All right. All right. Now New York's girls. Would would blow Philly's guys, okay, and vice versa. Mm-hmm. And the way I see this working out is like, you know, there'd be like funny commentary and ridiculous nicknames and stuff, and there'd be like people like uh, Sarah the Swallower, like you know, like roller derby. Mm-hmm. And um, I think it would work because yeah, it's like a blowjob competition. But if you were coming home late at night, I don't know about you, but I would I would fucking watch the blowjob competition. Well, would I be masturbating to this? No, no, no. I see it more as like like an entertainment value thing. Like, like there'd be like you know, like funny commentary, slow motion cameras, and yeah, stats that, and stuff. And now your 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 target audience is gonna be dudes. I think so. Yeah, yeah. I don't think guys are gonna be wanting watching slow motion cocks. No, but it's the women there now, blowing them. Yes, yeah, so that yeah. gay guys All are right. gonna love this. I think anyone would love this. I would totally watch it. I think there's there's sport to it. Like you could have. Um, but your game, are you, you're seeing it as a sex game, right? Yeah, like a sex game with like kind of like. Uh, but what you're seeing in your sex game is cock. No, you're saying girls blow the guys. It's not dudes blowing them. But the That's home audience is still looking at cock. Yeah, it's focused on the cock. Like right. Head games. Head but games. But it, it no. could also be the the the, the girls' sexy tactics. ladies. But it, it's really no different than if you had it and it was just guys jacking off. It's way and whoever different than that. It it's way it's, different. That's it. Yeah, it's Okie Cookie, no. the TV show. All right. Well, no, but I think I think the girls bring in an element to it that's that's number one straight and also, like, uh, you know, it's it's a whole it's a whole thing. I get it. The girls are straight, but the viewers would not be. Now, how do you win the game? 
Well, it's Survivor Series format. It's so it's like whichever team has a guy on it that doesn't come, like whoever comes last, that team wins. All right. Now suppose that now when you're doing this, right? Yeah. You would try to whiskey dick them. If you were the coach of that team, you're like everyone, make sure you're whiskey dicked, and then you would uh, have the guys jerk off twice before the game show started. Now knowing this. You're going to be looking at a flaccid cock being sucked on for like seven hours, and nothing's going to happen. You see, I would see that as some type of performance enhancing, and that would that would be against the rules. Like that would yeah, be but like, there's no way you're going to catch a guy uh, for jacket. That'd yeah. be scandal. These would be professional players in the game. But how would your game end if someone didn't come? Well, I mean, we wouldn't be live. I guess you could edit the video together. All right, eight six six Ron Zero Fez, eight six six Ron Zero Fez. We're going to throw this out there in a hit or miss. Uh, Head Games, it's a brand new game show that you're trying to throw to the Spice Channel. Now, Spice Channel wasn't interested, uh, well, which I'm shocked already. I went, I went through the, the trouble of like getting all the numbers, mm-hmm. and I don't think I ever really followed through. But now I'm putting it out there. So I, I still think it could work. I think you could have like you know sideline interviews. Uh, there could be stats kept. All that stuff. I think, and if you're home and you're drunk and you're at the bars and you get home and this is on, I think you can watch it. Unless I'm, like, jacking off, I don't want to, like, want to watch porn. Like, And you're not going to jack completely to a fucking blowjob. No, yeah, I want some fucking insertion, some ooh, sex. Ooh, ooh, unless you're gay. Yeah, it's like, oh, yeah, suck that cock. <laughs> oh, um, no. Here's Bob. Bob, you're running face. Yeah, I thought it was a fit, but I guess Nita really is queer. What's up with that? Now, Mark, does this surprise you? It kind of does, because, I mean, it's not like the game is guys blowing guys. It's still women blowing guys. So I, I'm a little surprised. Yes. Fully clothed women. No, guys no, no. no. Their I mean, they, they, now, here's Chris. They can be naked. Be Chris. Yeah, what's up, buddy? Yeah. I was uh, up in the air with Zito. Nah, it's official. He's full-blown gay. I don't understand how women blowing guys is gay. But this is a TV. It isn't for the woman. But it would be. All right, first of all, let's suppose someone came in here and was blowing Hicks and you sat and watched. <laughs> you don't think that's a gay act? Yeah. To me, I see it kind of like, like, have you ever seen, like, porn bloopers? Like, I see it sort of like that. Like, what's that show that used to be on Spike where they, it was like the, uh, the Asian show that they put, like, weird American commentary over? And, uh, like, Extreme Challenge or whatever. Yeah, yeah, the fuck. yeah. Yeah. I, I see it kind of like that. You know, the only people that are interested in porn bloopers are poop people in the porn business. The, we're not looking for selling this on the outside. David, you're on Fez. Yeah, man. Uh, I, I can't believe this shit, but I've actually had that idea myself. You know. <laughs> Wait, I this mean, might uh, go back to find your real dad. <laughs> well, listen, man. I mean, you might be looking at a cop, but it's in a pretty pretty girl's face. And, uh... But uh, they got a website, dancingbear.com, and that's, they're doing that. These male strippers out there and walking around, and all these girls that's dressed are giving blowjobs. Now, David, you enjoy watching male strippers get blown. <sighs> oh and God, you're I'm, not I'm... seeing this as a gay act. Um, it's the sport of it, Ron. The sport. And yeah, the women could be naked. Dancingbear.com. Oh, <laughs> God. Big cock in the Take fucking... it off my fucking <laughs> screen. People walk by here. Uh, Tom, you're on Run Fez. I think uh, Mark Zito's got a secret he wants to tell. Yeah, it's a great idea. That's my secret. It's mm. not a secret anymore, I guess. Here's Tony, you're on Run Fez. 
Hey, Ron, I actually used to work for Spice before I moved up here to Boise, and uh, we had a show called Nooner, and it was actually couples, and uh, people really didn't dig the whole uh, looking at chicks blow dudes. They actually wanted to see girl on girl more than anything, and so this is uh, this would definitely not work, and if you knew anything about porn, uh, actors, they fake it all the time. I mean, they're, they're told when to come, they don't come when they're not supposed to, et cetera. Yeah, I mean, these are guys that can normally come on command. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Um, so at the most, it's going to be a sports entertainment. You'll yeah. never have it as a... It's very WWE. Um, yeah, I saw it as like a, like a late-night league. You saw it as a chance for you to see some real hard cocks. Curtis <laughs> in Wyoming, you're on Fez. Hey, Ronnie. Hey, Zito, uh, are you going to ask Foreigner to write the theme song for this new game show? Head Games! Huh. This is um, seriously gay. <laughs> I, I it's really always shocking to me, right, about uh, Zito, is that he comes up with this gay or at least effeminate thing all the time and then goes, where is this coming from? Why do people think I'm gay? You have the first porn, hard cock, no vagina. Yeah, it's a hard cock challenge. Well, I, in my mind, the girls were naked, and I thought dudes liked blowjobs. Like, I like blowjobs. I'm sure you like seeing other guys get blown. You're not getting blown in your thing. You're watching a guy's hard dick get swallowed. You're the producer just staring at the fucking guy. Dan, you're on the face. Hey, Ronnie B. I'm uh, turning in my Mark Zito card holder number oh. one. Uh, going back to dick holder number 941. Uh, face! No. Face! Face! Bye, and man. then since you're... you're it's going, I'll just go, very sad. Zeets. <laughs> Zeets. Extremely. Zeets. Zeets. I got to do with this card. That's a shocker. Uh, Mark Zito's head games, and he's he's had this idea for so long. Long, long time. And he just thought everybody was going to do go crazy. I can't understand not watching this. I, I, I actually cannot. It would be like fucking funny stuff and porn. And, like, it'd be a, a whole thing. Dude, no and one wants sports. a funny porn. No one wants to laugh while they're stroking. Yeah. And there's no other reason to watch fucking this thing except for, A, to turn a chick on, or, B, stroke yourself. I really thought I was combining all these good things, like sports and porn and laughter. Dude, I, take it down to Chelsea. Take the fucking woman out of this thing, and you might have yourself a game show. I don't, I don't, I, I mean, maybe they could do a specialty version, but I don't think yeah, they Yeah, AIDS warts. Might be the way to go about. Why does that hurt you? <laughs> Out of all the things that get said, why would AIDS wars lay you down? <laughs> Are they called AIDS games? I'm a fucking Vatican assassin, okay? I've got my secret fucking killers everywhere. Winning. What rhymes with winning? Us, okay? Dig it. Winning. Uh, Chris, you're on the Yes, you know, why, why am I going to want to look at some guy's hard cock? I mean, it's one thing if I got some girl's lips wrapped around my pole, but I, you got to be half a fag if you're going to want to watch some guy's hard dick and, he, and he's How? making all the faces. And all right, this is your you pitch, Zito. you got to pitch it through because you're in trouble here. Okay. Here's what I'm saying. Fine. Everyone's naked, so you at least have naked girls. They're blowing the dudes. They And you're, giving, you're getting stats about them, like uh, fucking... Sarah the Swallower has three early ejaculations on the season, okay? She's really good at blowing the guys. And then, you know, you, you have interviews with her coaches, and there are other porn stars and stuff, and they're talking about technique and whatnot, and it's, a, it's an entertainment show with a sports component. Mm. And then, you know, you could have, you know, the, the interviews with the guys afterwards, and they would be like, uh... Now, how many teams do you have? I'm thinking ten. 
are 10 teams of 10, right? Yeah. Now you've got 100 people on the payroll that have to stay around because they're not going to do this for free. They're obviously going to be porn people. Mm -hmm. Oh, man. And nobody is worse at acting than porn people. So all the stuff that you are doing as interviews is going to suck. And then (laughs) you would finally get the idea to see a hard cock. And you're going to have to pay them a shitload of money since it's going to take a while to film all this. And they can make a lot of money in a day. So mm. they're losing money doing this. Well, I'm thinking this is like this, uh, like kind of like a startup league. What's sort your of like budget, when the man? WNBA What's your budget? Started. They don't get paid that much in the WNBA. Budget... Right, but these porn girls get paid a lot of money to suck dick. Well, we could get like some like not necessarily famous porn girls. Then they're not so we're, to watch. We're looking at fucking crackheads. You get homeless crackheads. No. That would add a wrinkle that actually might not be that bad. But the the. The people would watch unknown girls in this. Yes, then we have to find the unknown girls. Shane, you're on my face. Hey, Zito, pitch it to Logo. Maybe you got a gold mine on your hands there, you mo. Mm. I do think this idea could be profitable. I feel for you, bro. I didn't think this was going to get shot down so quickly. Yeah. <laughs> Head games in serious trouble right off the bat. Almost immediately. But you have to, when you go into the pitch... If any negative comes up, you've got to be able to handle it. And so far, the only concession you made was, all right, the girls can be naked. They're not going to be wearing the uniform, which you would normally (laughs) have them up. And, A, what do they need shoulder pads for? (laughs) Yeah, those must be roller derby-esque here. There could be, like, fantasy leagues and stuff based around it. It would be awesome. It's fake. Tom, you're on running Fez. Hey, buddy. Hey, um, I was going to, I wanted to go back to that other league, uh, the other game, rather, where it's uh, Find My Real Dad. Yeah. What's what, what, what you going to do when you guys are playing that? Seriously, it's too early. Jesus. Uh, Luke in Austin, you're running fast. Hey, uh, Zito. Okay, so I understand what you think, that, you know, watching porn is watching a girl suck off a guy. But what you're trying to lay out there is a game in which everybody is watching in anticipation to watch the cock have come come out of it. That's gay. It's like, oh, my God, is that cock going to come? Here it comes. Oh, boy, yay. (laughs) And and in your way, for this to work... People would have to be jumping off the couch and high-fiving yes. when a guy comes, and you don't see that as gay. Well, no, well, I just think it's kind of like it's the sport of it. Like, when you watch football, it's a bunch of dudes rolling around with each other. But there's the sport aspect of it involved, so you don't mind it. All right, hold on. You just are acting like football is gay, but head games isn't. That's that's the leap you've made now. There yeah. are women in head games. Oh. Well, that's because football is a sport. It's guys slamming into each other. So is head games. So is head games. It's it could be a sport. It's I think a it could jizz work. party. That could uh, be what our all star game is called. Luke, Chicago, you're on Fez. So Zito, just flip it and let make the team just flip it. So the guys start eating the all the girls' pussies, and whichever team can get the all the girls to squirt first, they win. That way, the chicks can be naked. And then you could legitimately whack off to it. Now, see, that's if we're being honest here, I think squirting is just pissing anyway. Yeah, I really, just... I don't see any difference. <laughs> see, that's a great idea, and I did think about how you would do girl on girl. But the thing is, you kind of have to use a guy because girls don't always squirt and stuff. At least guys, you can measure when they have an orgasm, and then you know they're not faking it. Oh my God, he's measuring it. He wants to fucking weigh the orgasm. This now. sounds like a fucking. Well, no, cum just farm. to know that they had one. 
that's and so that they would be properly eliminated from the competition. Now, let, let's just go into this. If, if a guy doesn't want to come, right? Yes. If he's sitting there fucking thinking hideous thoughts, how how quickly before you think you can overpower that and he has to come? I don't know. It depends on the skill of the woman. Take it. You are supposed to know. This is your game. How long do you think a guy could hold out? It could be a test of wills. It could be an Iron Man. It could be hours. You don't know. So we're going to be watching your game show. Well, I would edit together, like, who wants to be a millionaire? Like, you watch that. Sometimes they take forever to answer those questions, but it's edited all nice, and it looks exciting. Hmm. So we would, you know... So we're going to be shooting. We're going to have to set this thing up with 100 people and shoot for maybe... Five, six, seven hours, whatever. Maybe minimum. Yeah. Well, it wouldn't be all 10 teams at once. You'd have matchups. You'd have rivalries. I understand what you're saying, but I'm trying to say, a guy who's sitting there thinking about fucking bugs crawling up his dick hole... Uh. And cancerous tumors, he's going to be able to fight off fucking coming yeah. for a long fucking time. Go fucking limp. And that's without even doing a fucking nuisance batch first. Well, then maybe, and being drunk. Maybe you got to get, like, normal guys in there instead of porn stars. Because I think a, uh, a, a hot woman could overpower a normal guy. Mm. Or just all guys, the way you originally planned it. Mitch, you're running Fez. Hey, guys. Uh, love the show. Uh... My condolences to Fezzi, uh, but after hearing this, I think we need a sounder, Ron. Zeno voice! Zeno voice! Huh. Uh, Jed, you're on running Fez. Jed. Yo, Ronnie B, what's up? Yeah. Yeah, I was going to give uh, this game, head game, the epic fail. No. I don't think anybody wants to see uh, some guy getting blown unless there's, like, ATM involved. It doesn't seem like. Oh God! He's not, not even interested in Aston Mouth either. Not even on the slow motion cum cam. Think uh, about it. Replays everything. Oh, come on, Mark. Wait, you're saying it's not gay to have a slow motion cum cam? Well, because like you would have to interview the guy afterwards. It's fucking like, gay. What, what were you thinking about out there? It's like, well, I was trying to hold it together. I was thinking of my three year old niece, and then uh, I don't know what happened. Like it would be like a whole. And would you? Do you see yourself as the announcer since you've got it no, all done? No, I was thinking of like some low level comedians or some comedian, not necessarily low level. Well, give but... me a low level comedian that would do this. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, Steve Tyson. I I I don't know. Uh, like I like the Kathy Griffin. Could could throw some wit. You see, Kathy Griffin is a low level comedian. Not low level, no. That's why I, I backtracked on the low level level part. So, what do you think it would cost us to have Kathy Kathy Griffin there now? Oh, like per episode, maybe like forty thousand dollars. Jesus, I don't think, I don't think you realize any of these things that you're talking about. And I'm just letting him know this. He walks into a pitch meeting and he's going to be dead. Um, Matt, you're on my face. Yeah, I think this is Eagles' way of trying to comfort or yeah, like. Which some guys being queer, you get these guys up there and you try to uh, make them not come with a beautiful woman in front of them. They're going to sit there thinking of like some naked dicks or something. He's wanting more dick around. I don't think it would work like that, only because, like. I, Someone has already sent this to us. They said, Ron, they've already done this show. It was called Sex Survivor. He's ripping this idea off. Where did you first steal the idea from? Zito? I didn't steal it from anywhere. I thought of it in high school. Um, because I remember it actually, somebody was talking about an MVP being most valuable penis for some reason. I was like, that'd be funny if that was a real award. What game would it be in? And I decided it would be in this game. This was you and your buddies talking around and, and some just girls talking. And yeah, not just dudes. Just saying, like, hey, when we grow up someday, we'll get to see cock ourselves. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Oh, no. Uh, Darby, you're running Fez. Hey, uh, 
Zito, you're a moron. Love the Fez. Uh, I'm trying to figure out how a guy getting his cock sucked and not coming makes him a winner. I would consider myself a loser if that Because <laughs> being the first to come is probably too easy, and it's Survivor Series format. It's who can survive. And you're, then you're looking but at, at least if it's the first to come, you speed the game up a little bit, and you're going to cut our expenses by 800%. Yeah, really. You've got us with a film crew... Filming this thing longer than they do the Super Bowl. So you're saying the performers would probably also ask to be compensated based on length of time spent blowing? No, I'm saying I don't know what you think it costs to have a crew come up and set up lighting and to shoot all that film for yeah, eight hours. Film here. We have sponsors. We have sponsors. All How much here. fucking money are they going <laughs> to pump into the show? What sponsor? Like Trojan, Ashley Madison, something like that. I don't know. Sex companies. All right, that's two possible... Fucking sponsors, but a normal game show looks at an infinite amount that they can pitch to. Here's Mark. You're on Fez. Hey, guys. What's going on? Yeah. I was just wanted to let Zito know that uh, you know a home companion could be a little butt plug for the home version. Are you thinking that? You that just... would be that could be like kind of like our version of like a hardcore match where they're like props in and stuff. Like you can put something up your ass, and that's not gay either. Um, I also wonder how we're going to get Trojan. To sponsor unprotected sex for yeah, sounds crazy. Well, they could they could wear condoms that were team colors like latex. Yeah, but... All right, so then we get the slow motion cam of the fucking him coming in a condom. God, he just said, "I don't know, I don't know, I don't know how my own game works." It sounds fucking awful though, gay. And now there's fucking condoms in it. That's the worst. All right, you guys are just trying to take down head games. No, not no, not at all. What we're trying to do the is before. <laughs> is before you go into a pitch meeting with this to know where you're going. That's all. Well, I think I think the direction is clear. I think that this game, I think you guys are trying to put some type of gay vibe on it, which I don't know if it's a game for the gay community. I think it's a game for everyone. And I think it could work. Gays love porn. Uh, Jerry, you're on a fez. Hey, uh, Ron, this kid's a fucking moron. You can't even show cum shots on TV, so you would never know when your team scored. Well, on the Spice Channel, I think you can. I don't think I so. I don't think so. I've never seen one. You ever watch the Spice Channel? Uh, I, I, I used I... to watch it, like, very blurry when I was younger, yeah. It was softcore. All right, so first of all, you haven't even seen this thing well, in all these years. Well, I mean, I, I saw it, like, a couple times in college. I know they show fucking. It's just, you know. Do you get the cum shot? Yeah. They show normal porns. X, do you get the cum shot? I don't think so. I'm thinking that on regular TV, they're not going to show jizz. I mean, maybe on pay-per-view, well, yeah, like you buy the, porn. Yeah, the, the, the Spice Channel's pay-per-view, I think. All right, now we're hearing that this is a Japanese idea. Oh. Uh, women blow a guy wearing a condom, then dump the condom into a test tube, and that's the winner. Again... That just goes back to seeing how much a guy can come. Yeah. Well, it has like nothing a, to do with holding out. You have like a hot girl dressed as like a scientist? I don't know. It's oh. an idea. So you want to, you want to, now we're going to watch condoms getting sucked. That's, that's horrifying. I think I'm just going to watch Mansers instead. <laughs> uh, Bob in Michigan. Bob. Oh, hey. Yeah. Yeah, Zito. It sounds like you want to be the referee on this thing. No, I just I just want to be the uh, the money guy. I want to get all the money shots. <laughs> you think you can get a sponsor? Yes, I do. Once we convince the network, I think it'd say, "Look, I'll find a sponsor behind this." Well, normally, if you want to walk into a network, it's better to have your sponsors lined up first. That's how 
the survivor did it, and that's how they did it with The Apprentice. And they say, look, we've got people ready to spend money. Do you want our game, or do I take it across the street? Well, I think it's important that we have an unconventional plan for an unconventional game here. But here's the unconventional fucking part of it. The Spice Channels have, have never gotten a sponsor in their life. They're going to tell you we're not in the sponsorship business. I'm going to say, people, we're breaking that mold. We're taking head games. But you're to the telling top. somebody else to do work. And in a field that they've never done before. See, the whole thing, if you want to be a producer, you've got to be a problem solver. That's yeah. true, but I mean, I'm also, I'm the idea man on this one. I'm bringing them the brilliance. I am bringing them the blowjob competition that is head games. You're sounding like Charlie Sheen more and more, and you, you're not understanding. You've still got a lot of work to do on your idea. And you can't, you can't act jive in this fucking meeting and think they're going to be all happy. Winning. Uh, Bill, you're on a fez. Hey, maybe Zito could uh, have it where the girls get eliminated after each round, and eventually it just becomes a circle jerk, and the winner has to eat the cracker. Oh, God. That, that does sound right. kind of gay. This is what Gaz has to say. Uh, it's my favorite Twitter. Let's list. get this straight. Kathy Griffin hosting a show with nude hard men standing next to each other in a line, is not gay. It is funny that the person that he wanted to host the show is the number one favorite comedian gay icon. of gays in America today. If it's a gay show, just say so. Don't make a big deal out of it. I think it's a gay show, and now I'm, I'm just very mad at myself. That's who I named. But I saw her as being like like the acerbic female. Like, like I thought Sarah Silverman wouldn't do it. Um, and then I just couldn't think of any female comedians really and i went with her that's what happened mm. okay oh maybe lady trucker believes in you go ahead lp sure she does oh zito could uh toothless girls giving dummy blowjobs would end up winning and if a guy really wants to win he'll bring in somebody like sandy king no we'll see that's the thing you you know you want to stack your team with the hottest girls because your team's girls blow the other team's guys so it's in, there's no incentive for you to uh, have uglies on your team. Uglies. Mr. B, I can't believe you're not with me on this one. Uh, I'm straight. Uh, Mike, you're on a fez. Yeah, you're going to be the executive producer and the executive fluffer? No, I'm not going to fluff any of, of the contestants. Why not? Yeah, about that, my friend. you got, you got to be a problem solver. Lou, you're on the run of fez show. Think women can do a blowjob for five or six hours without severe lockjaw or something? It's a very good point. You're asking for these women to do something that they don't want to do. Now, if you're the guy, one of the big defenses is you're trying to stay soft. You start to suck. You're like, uh-oh, I've got to stop this. Quick piss. So now you got women spitting urine out of their mouth. Yeah, that's not. You got violate health codes. You get wild. Oh, is there health codes on I'm that? I'm sure. Drinking I didn't know. Piss. I didn't know. I would think so. I don't know. It's excrement. Uh, well, that is it for us. Um, so we're gonna say yay or nay on that one. Yay, right? Yay, nay, or gay? Nice. Looks like the gays have it. Um, by the way, people have asked uh, if they can send anything to Fez. I think let him keep his. Private life, private, but if you would like to send uh, an email to Fez2000 at AOL.com, I'm sure he would appreciate it. And uh, thanks, everybody, for tuning in today. Um, everybody jumping in like this made a, a, a more difficult show 
uh, easier to get through. And, and don't think that I don't appreciate it. That's it for us. Enjoy your Oscar weekend. Oh, yeah, I'll tell you something about the winners. You get, uh, you get the Super Bowl. You get Daytona 500. You get the Oscars. We got March Madness coming. And then before you know, we're all at the beach again and everything's good. Fucked up. All right, guys. We'll see you back in here on Monday. And that's the end of my show. Donk. I've been told that you've been bold with Harry, Mark, and John. Monday and Tuesday, Wednesday to Thursday with Harry, Mark, and John. For a little while I love to watch things on TV Satellite of love Satellite of love Satellite of love